Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the FF Expo at Home. I am your host, Shane Barrett. You can find me on Twitter at FFShaneB. And tonight, we are doing a panel of experts. So what I want from you guys is to hit me with questions in the chat, um, and we will address those as a panel. We'll all answer them. We've got some questions that were asked to us either via DM um, or just in general, so we'll go through those as well um, and maybe shout out the people to ask them. Other than that, we'll just be continuing to chat, um, but the whole point of tonight is to answer your questions, so please fire those off to us. Um, with that being said, I'm going to introduce the panel and starting off with the person directly to my left, right? I don't know. This stream is weird. Is Mr. Matt McCarthy What's at Article One? How are you doing tonight, Matt? Uh, I am excellent. I'm trying to figure out uh, how to send tweets so I, we get some people in here uh, answering, you know, asking us some questions because you know we're on the third uh, little get together for this little weekend for the FF Expo at home. I'm really glad for everyone who has joined us, both uh, analyst wise and viewer wise, and we had a little, we had we had some fun. We had a nice little draft this morning. Uh, we found some rivals. We had a good yeah, time. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but let's keep the the circle going. We're now with Craig or Clayton or Evan, whichever way we're going. <laughs> uh, I think for me it is Craig. So Craig uh, Ree from Roto Heat at Roto Heat Craig on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, how you guys doing? Um, I almost missed this um, pulling one of those, taking a kid to bed, and then almost falling asleep. Um, not having an alarm set because my phone isn't in the room sort of things and I wake up and I'm like, oh, this starts in 15 minutes. I should probably go do something. So uh, glad to be here with you guys again. Um, Evan got a little helper there and I know how that is. It's always nice to see little ones getting involved in fantasy. I'm not always sure what's going on, but start them young. So maybe someday they can uh, hit the millions and let us retire or something like that. But anyway, Absolutely. glad to be on with you guys. Cool. Glad to have you tonight. Evan, introduce yourself. You can follow him on Twitter at Ev underscore Rit3. He's a writer for Going for Two. Tell us how you're doing tonight and tell us who your little helper is if you don't if you want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm doing I'm doing great, man. I had fun drafting with you guys earlier. Um, and here we are again to keep this thing rolling. Um, I just want to thank you, uh, you know, again, dude. It's been a ton of fun and I appreciate, you know, um, you get me on here and so that way I get all the experience I can get um so yeah thanks a lot uh yeah Evan um my name's Evan uh all my content is at going for two um mainly I'll be doing DFS um and some season-long content uh but I'll also be covering um I'll have an over-under article uh every week that I'll be doing so um, that's going to be fun. Um, and then I'm going to be on the Fantasy Cheat Sheet live every Friday with Mike Hicks from Going for Two, as well as Jay, who you guys have seen um, on this podcast as well. So um, mean and hate. Enough, yes. enough of me. <laughs> I am not important. The important person tonight is my little helper. Uh, she's going to be the note taker. Um, yeah, and as you said, uh, Craig, it's kind of cool, man. We're going to be doing our first uh, father-daughter um, draft this year, so I'm getting her oh, into it, man. Cool. Yeah, so it's going to be really fun, but yes, uh, this is Ava. Um, can you say hi, sweetheart? Hi. All right, yeah, so uh, we're, ready to, uh, we're ready to do this, man. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, and I, I agree with everyone. Thanks for, for sharing Ava with us tonight. That's really cool. 
Um, Clayton, as you have been previously dubbed earlier today, liquid audio barbecue sauce. Audible barbecue. Yeah, that's that's how it is. <laughs> Please introduce yourself and tell us where people can find you. Well, my name is Clayton Stoneburner, aka Audible Barbecue Sauce. <laughs> I'm going to claim that and run with it. By the way, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Burner of Stone. You can find me twice a week and probably on live stream Sundays before before kickoff uh, when the season starts. At the pick is in fantasy football podcast with my partner here, that Matt Kelly. Uh, you know we're trying to expand the brand and grow a little bit and uh, see what we can get to by by this time next season. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. We have to start off our panel of questions with a philosophical question as old as time. What came first, the chicken or the egg? It's that boy who. <laughs> oh, man. Clayton, I'm in a, I'm in a tribunal league with him from uh, the Sports Me app. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't understand how bad. I'm just going to destroy him. I'm going to stomp him. It's going to be horrible. Who? I, I apologize now for the thrashing I'm, I'm going to deliver to you. Ultimately. I love that. Uh, <laughs> and obviously it had to have been the chicken. I mean, come on. All right. Evan and Ava, chicken or egg, which came first? It's got to be the chicken. I don't, I don't see how it wasn't the chicken. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Craig? I just scientifically eggs existed before chickens existed, so I'm going with the egg. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, are you going to tie it up? Yeah, I'm with Craig. Uh, I think it's the egg situation. Uh, oh. it, it was a genetic mutation from another uh, another species. Yeah. All right, so we have a tie. Two chickens, two eggs, and I'm going to be the tiebreaker. Which way am I going to go? I'm going with the egg. Um, I think it makes more sense that the egg came first, hatched into a chicken, um, versus the chicken coming first and then plopping out an egg. So that's my thoughts. All right. Then our next question from the chat, and I love this. Uh, hey, Dave, I feel like we could go on forever. About that. <laughs> um, that's why I'm going to end that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost uh, started to comment. I was like, wait, no, just shut up, man. Just shut yeah. up. <laughs> so Dave, uh, Toronto FF8 asks best candidates to trade away from the preseason hype and who to actually keep from preseason hype. Um, Matt, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, I don't know if y'all have NFL network or anything on the background, but Trey Lance just threw an 80 yard touchdown pass. Uh, oh, so it'd be Trey Lance at the moment. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, so here's the thing, right? I'm very much someone who doesn't take a lot into consideration of what week one preseason really does. A lot of defenses aren't really, I mean, uh, Craig can really, you know, attest more to this. They're really just kind of playing general like defensive schemes. They're not really planning for anything. They're not really trying to, to my knowledge, really run anything out there. It's really trying to account for their week to week opponent. Um, they're just kind of see, are, are the guys really doing anything correctly um, in the base sort of line? I don't really care about most of what's going to be happening in terms of offense. Uh, you almost want to see like bad things happening more than good things. So like today, right? Malcolm Brown. For some reason, Malcolm Brown is going to get consideration that he's going to be eating into and playing against Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin, you know, last year we were arguing so much about like Matt Breida versus Jordan Howard, and then Gaskin in week one. Yeah, in week one, Gaskin, you know, completely outsnaps both of them by a good margin, right? Yeah. So with a guy like Brown, if you're able to buy into 
Uh, he's going to be taking the, he took the first four carries of the game. He's going to be out there touching the ball, you know, more often in terms of just regular carries. Uh, Gaskin, yeah, he was just a fine runner, but he also had a very good receiving floor. And receptions is something that I really play into as a full PPR kind of guy. Uh, so that's the sort of guys, if you can go and pick up Gaskin cheaper or draft him cheaper, that's really what I like. Uh, from you know it's like oh Malcolm Brown who it's like oh we ate into x x y and z's touches last year I don't care about these big backs that are going to be touching the ball Kalen Balage yeah Kalen Balage or Quadri Olsen is a very also easy answer there over in Atlanta I don't care what these guys are going to run into the line 15 times a game for 40 yards while the second running back is going to be used a lot more efficiently and a better way in receptions so like Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, it's not a testing to me drafting today in our earlier draft. I really oh, like those players great. a lot. Yeah, especially Mike Davis. I've been very high in Mike Davis, my RB17 currently in, in full PPR redraft. That's what I have to think about, Mike Davis. Um, Craig. Yes. Who are some who are some of your best candidates so far to trade away from the preseason hype? We're still pretty early, but there's some been some people who've kind of been blowing up. So who you keeping, who you who you trading away? Do we want to focus this on uh, more redraft? Are you talking dynasty, or does it matter either way? Yeah, you, where do you want to go with? Both. Boy, um, you know, it's kind of interesting that the the big guys that have really sort of stood out are not anyone that I'd think you'd be having as a major starter. And if it was someone that you would want to just be giving up on, like the young quarterbacks, by and large. Um, Someone like uh, Dwayne Haskins, I find really interesting as a potential stash because he looked a lot better um, with that Steelers in the end preseason, but then he did through most of his time in Washington. And part of me wonders if a little bit of maturity and being humbled and going to a potentially more stable situation um, might be good for him, you know, sit and learn behind Roethlisberger or something. So, I mean, he's not really someone that I'm going out there running after if it's a super flex league and poking around to see where he is or something but he caught my yeah. eye as someone that really had not been focused on a whole lot um but you know the other ones like you know there's people that were really high or really low on mac jones you know i thought he did well for his first preseason action i thought he looked good same with things lance so far seemed to look good jordan love you know, he's not gonna be playing most of this year but all those young quarterbacks and position guys that you've probably invested highly in that are doing well. You either have them or you don't at this point. I don't think a preseason game is going to push you one way or the other, and I'd argue that it really shouldn't. It really is kind of what Matt said for those deeper guys. Like, all right, you know, this fourth string running back, is he going to be the fourth string or does he have a chance to be the second string and have some value later on? And, you know, how deep are you digging into this? So that's the sort of stuff that I'm looking for, you know. Like it, just a name to throw out there, Elijah Mitchell. I don't even know if he's played tonight, but you know he's a guy that's battling on a depth like chart him. that is just a mess. You know he's going to presumably have some chance to play tonight. Let's see what he does with it. I'd love to see that. Yeah, that's uh, he's, you know, we're so high on you know with Sermon and his Mostert for the coaching staff is still saying that Mostert is their player. Uh, it's just a guy that was kind of thrust into the role and has not been able to stay healthy. And when he's played, he's produced quite a bit, but. Any running back who is starting for San Francisco over the past few years has had production. So if Elijah Mitchell at some point but pops up. The problem up, is you don't know who it's going to be from week to week. Oh, yeah, no, it's and again, it's going to be an overall issue. That's why we're not taking Mostert or Sermon, you know, anywhere, you know, above as like a top 24 running back in redraft purposes. Yeah. Because if we knew it was Mostert, if it was just Mostert and they said, yeah, we like Sermon, but we don't really care about how much he's going to touch the ball. And yeah, Elijah Mitchell's here, but we're just adding him for depth. We like, you know, we've had some issues with injuries and all that. 
Raheem Mostert in this offense, you know, with just potential, how it, it is an amazing run blocking team. They have had amazing schemes for their running backs. Everything works from a coaching standpoint that they can have a top 12 running back. They have just not produced a single top 12 guy because it's been a collective. So really, yeah. if you want to draft multiple of this one backfield and just kind of say, cool, because it's a 17 game season, we've seen injuries happen in this backfield. This is one of the situations where drafting handcuffs and drafting just maybe the handcuff handcuff, like that's something that I'm totally fine with for San Francisco. Great best ball um, backfield is what it sounds like you're saying to me. Yes. Uh, you know, and again, in Dynasty, I have Elijah Mitchell also because I traded away my first and second round picks for one of my leagues this year to go and get Adams last year. They didn't win the tournament. That was fun. Um, but Elijah Mitchell, like I said, if <laughs> we've seen them had to rely on, the, you know, the third, fourth guy on their on their depth chart before. So, you know, maybe this year they have good luck. But I like to think that San Francisco, whoever is a starting running back, whatever week it is. I'd still say that there's a lot of, you know, RB2 flex potential, um, even in, you know, possible limited touches. So, yeah, best ball, that's 100% the way to go with this team. Yep. Uh, Evan, who is a potential um, buy or sell based off of preseason hype for you? So, I think um, so far, you know, there's with the injuries in uh, Baltimore. Um, and the uh, news out of training camp, a lot of uh, Sammy Watkins is actually getting a lot of buzz. Um, so I mean, don't do it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm talking about get get him off your roster. Um, because this, I mean, you're not going to get much, obviously. But I mean, with the hype and the injuries right now going into the season, if someone does need help at that position, you could potentially get, you know, something for him. Um, and then, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, maybe somebody to to think about buying, um, you know, after the, after the, uh, run last night, you know, uh, just buy low, you know, uh, buy him and see what happens. You know what I mean? He could, um, why everyone is, uh, hyped his, he slipped in my Damian Harris. Um, you know, he's potential breakout this year too, but Ramondre, you know, broke off that, what was it? 91 yards last. Yes. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, he's potential, and Mac jo- Mac Jones looked really good last night too. Um, I think why it was all kind of uh, you know mediocre throws. We didn't really see him let loose. He looked poised. Um, he looked like he definitely was in control of that offense. Uh, so I think he has the chance to you know why not right away, but um, take over. Um, and then if there's any chance uh, of getting Trey Lance, I mean. I would go after him, especially after what he, what he just did. Um, I mean, he's I, – I don't know. I, I maybe – I don't think he's going to be the day one starter, man, but he's definitely eventually – I think no one would disagree that he's going to take over that offense at some point, and I think it will be sooner rather than later. I want to counter that, actually. Okay. So the San Francisco offense last year, the three major receiving options, right, were only together for four weeks of the entire season. Jimmy Garoppolo only played with his three main receiving options for only two weeks. And week seven was the real big one when I believe they played New England in that week. In week seven, they had their best overall offensive production. Jimmy, technically, Jimmy G is not awful. He's not anything special, really, with Lance is. But we also don't know technically, again, what really is the San Francisco offense like with all those players on the field? We like, you know, all of Kittle, Ayuk, and Samuel. We don't have enough information really to see. What is Jimmy G with these players? Because he just keeps battling injuries year in, year out. So 
or them. In what sense? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, San Francisco. Like, yeah, yeah. San Francisco. They're her. Yeah. Yeah. That just a completely just bewildered team with just on both sides of the ball, injury wise. Uh, Garoppolo, there is a 35% chance that he starts the entire season. Yeah. And that's particularly, I think, a safe sort of estimation. I don't think I'm going really too crazy with that number because 50 50, you know, they're spending the draft capital for Lance. I think 50-50 would be kind of like, you know, eh. But I think there's there's a shot that we really don't see Lance any part this year, especially because unlike Justin Fields, who I think Dalton with that team, I think they're trying to, you know, potentially they're not in a 100%. They can make the playoffs or such. Well, what is going with Clayton? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, San Francisco with Jimmy. And with that defense, there's potential for them to be a playoff team right now with Garoppolo. There's yeah. a chance for that offense to be a top five, six, seven, whatever offense with Garoppolo. With Lance, we could push the envelope even further, but who knows if they want to do that. If they want to say right now he's week one starter, yeah, Trey Lance is a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, and I, I just my, – my thing is um, I think with Kyle Shanahan, how creative he likes to get, I exactly. think – um, I think Lance just gives him, you know, so it opens that playbook up so much more. Um, and that's why I think Kyle Shanahan's kind of itching to get Trey Lance in there. But at the same time, to your point, they have pieces there. Jimmy has taken him there. I mean, one throw to Sanders, if he, you know, if that throws on target, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's fate is, you know, completely different. That one overthrow is kind of, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, I, I think to your point, if they, with all the pieces in place, they may choose to go a little more conservative. Conservative, and as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, um, stick with them. Uh, but I just think, you know, with how much Trey Lance can open up that playbook and that creative mind for Kyle Shanahan, um, the sky's the limit, man. But um, we'll see. Clay, all right, Clayton, round out the, the the panel, and then I'll get. Depending on your answer, I'm going to ask you guys two questions. You got the first person that comes to mind for me uh, is definitely Trey Lance. Uh, yesterday, matter of fact, on the Pick Is In Fantasy Football podcast, we did our, our players that were folding on for redraft this season, and my quarterback was Trey Lance because of the fact that I believe Jimmy Garoppolo starts this entire season. So Lance is an easy fade for me, and he's somebody that everybody is huge on right now. They love his big arm, and it's going to pay off dividends in the future. However, right now, you you could probably get a decent amount for him in a super flex league. Um, I, I'm not touching him in, in redraft and dynasty. If it's a single quarterback, I'll probably just stash him because it's single quarterback. Uh, another name that was brought up that I was thinking about was Dan Harris. You know, everybody's hype on on him. Have, having a lock on that starting spot, but then you see Ramondre Stevenson come out and do his thing. So if it's me, I'm holding Ramondre and I'm trying to move Damian Harris because this cat's already 24 years old, hasn't done it yet. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't, but when he does, who knows how long it's going to be. And uh, also in Dynasty, and this might be controversial, and I don't care, if I have Derrick Henry, now is the time before the season kicks off that I am Hell moving yeah. him because he will never be more valuable than he is right now. 
Hell yeah. I am so down with that. My first article I wrote last year when I came into the industry was talking about Christian McCaffrey coming up a 400 touch season and literally the only two players in the last two decades who have been able to reproduce close to the numbers that they've had to after such a large touch season has been like Danian Tomlinson, who's one of the best fantasy running backs of all time Mm -hmm. and Steven Jackson, but Steven Jackson had a great receiving year that no one saw. He had like a thousand thousand receive a thousand thousand yard season, which if anyone remembers what Steven Jackson is, that's very crazy to think that Steven Jackson can do that. That was way before I was even watching football. Um, so that's something to really consider. Now, Derek Henry, two things. One, he is massive. He is a very large boy. He's also old. He's 27 years old. He's actually the oldest running back currently going in the first round. Mm-hmm. He's also the second youngest, uh, second, sorry, second oldest player in the first round behind Travis Kelsey. But I think that's a perfect idea for Dynasty. I think I'm not really about him in redraft because he doesn't have any really receiving work. You know, a 2,000 yard season is very non repeatable. You've only seen two players in this decade do so. We've only seen six since tw- uh, the year 2000. I'm all about that idea, Clay. To, um, to, sorry to get off topic real quick, but um, to this point, um, as far as getting ahead of the curve on players, um, now that it, it looks like, you know, which it's almost, you know, set in stone that Aaron Rodgers won't be in Green Bay next year. Um, how do you feel about moving Devontae Adams and getting what you can for him? In Dynasty? In Dynasty, yeah. The problem is I'm not a Dynasty guy, so I, I handle redraft almost primarily, like 90% oh, of what I talk about. So it's, if that someone's got a better guy. idea. Yeah, I'm a Dynasty guy. I would not yet um, because Devontae, even without Aaron Rodgers, still it's produces. Still, right. It's not at wide receiver one overall numbers like it is with Rodgers, mm-hmm. but it is – Still, I believe a wide receiver one, fringe wide receiver two, um, number. So you're still getting production out of him. Yeah, um, and he's just—he's one of the best separators in the league. He's also an athletic freak. Like, I wouldn't sell him just yet because you still got a couple years of, of his. And that's—and that's what I—that's what I've uh, battled with was he's only 28. If I think if he's 30, then I really wouldn't. Yeah. You know, I, I would be a lot more you know keen on doing it. But the re—the fact that he's 28. That's why I kind of held back, but I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because I've been kind of battling with it whether or not to do that. If I may add a small caveat to this, uh, sure. being a big time love, dynasty love player. You say caveat, so please do. <laughs> <laughs> if if I'm six seven weeks into the season, okay, and you know I don't look like I'm going to be a contender, and there there is somebody who's either on the fringe who is definitely going to push for a, a, a you know championship, I'm. You know, maybe there's an injury. Maybe they just need that one last piece to kind of lock it in and, and make a solid run. You know, there's nothing wrong with halfway through the season realizing that okay, I'm not going to do a full rebuild, but I could move him now and get some decent pieces for it. I could, I could get a Brandon Ayuk and a first and and maybe another piece and build off that. Whatever it might be, you know, right. whatever whatever you're into. But I would look at it later into the season before the trade deadline and maybe make a move just to that. That makes sense. That okay, yeah. I like that I mean, a lot. That's yeah, actually one of my favorite strategies to do in Dynasty specifically is assess your team right around the midpoint of the season because then you can decide are you going to be that team that tries to make a push or are you going to blow it up or do a small retool and try to get a little younger and get some different pieces in there and capitalize on someone who is trying to push. 
Um, I, I did it in my first dynasty league. I went full blow up though. It was insane. So I'll have to <laughs> like your kid earlier. Huh? <laughs> like your kid earlier. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, um, uh, yeah, I love that. And Dave says he tweeted about that same strategy today. He's a smart uh, guy. So. Good strategy. <laughs> he is. Dave, you've got another question. I'm going to get to it in just a second, but I want to give my two thoughts on your first question. Um, one of the guys that I might look to either go acquire – I'm kind of torn on what to do with him, but one of the guys that I'm thinking about is K.J. Hamler um, because he's looked really good with Locke, um, but he's so far down the pecking order. From a dynasty perspective, though, uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are both free agents after this season, so then he could step right into being potentially the wide receiver, too, on this offense. Um redraft i'm gonna throw it to you first matt and then dynasty will hit the rest of you guys so what do you think about him for redraft matt he's not worth enough right now we've talked about a little bit actually earlier or yesterday uh denver is a very crowded team uh it's outside of sudden i'm really not even targeting judy it's really just sudden for me Uh, i've no fan i'm pretty down on right now the only reason i care about no fan is because he fills a tight end position if he yep. wasn't listed as a tight end, I wouldn't care about him. I do think he's athletic. I like this team from a general football standpoint. Uh, it's really, if we just had a better quarterback, and again, I was watching that game. Minnesota is going to be a disaster again. They're going to decide that they have to, they're still trying to relive their glory days of having a good defense, and Zimmer just can't get over it. They're going to do the exact same thing they've done the last two years, which is the first month of the season. They're going to try and limit the pass attempts. They're going to try and do a big run push and trying to keep teams competitive defensively, which they cannot do. They don't really seem to have the real structure to do so. And if, you know, if Craig has more to build on that for defense for Minnesota, because I saw them looking like a disaster beginning of, you know, was it like Justin Hunter went down like a week or two right before? If I have the name wrong, let me know. Um, right before they're, the season, with their different Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter, thank you. Um, so the uh, right before the season kicked off last year, and I was like, I think we're not treating this defense uh, correctly. And we saw like, oh yeah, Minnesota is a sieve. You can kind of do whatever you felt like on them, which led to big seasons offensively from the other guys. Uh, but Denver, you know, to circle back around. Hamler for redraft purposes is not on my radar. Uh, Locke, I congratulations for looking good against. Whoa, what's going on over there? <laughs> um, is not I. If he can push the envelope, cool. Because Teddy Bridgewater, I think it's just safety. Um, so for Hamler and for everyone else, if Locke can finally do something, because we've seen enough of Bridgewater, I would have really just liked literally anyone else at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, uh, Craig. What do you think about KJ Hamler from a dynasty perspective? Cl- hold on, Clayton. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> As he's on mute. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, just, I'm adjusting my lighting over here. I'm just okay. maybe I'm trying to have a little party, you know? Oh yeah. What's <laughs> the disco ball going? Craig, back to you for KJ Hamler from a dynasty perspective. I think he's a fine buy is relatively low cost right now. But again, yeah. this year, I'm not expecting a whole lot. Even if, you know, there was a wide receiver to go down, I don't think it bolts him into any larger, you know, target share or anything like that, just because of all the targets that they have. And with their quarterbacks, it still looks like that they're going to try to remain run heavy. How well that's going to work with all the, you know, there's at least two very good offenses, we think, in that division. The Chiefs and the Chargers and the Raiders that you know, oh, you, know you can flip a coin and you 
I don't think anyone was expecting a lot, but you know, them pulling something out of their hat for once wouldn't surprise me either. Um, so you know, they may have to throw more, but you know, to Matt's point, there's just a lot of bodies there ahead of them. So yeah, it, absolutely. I don't want to say it. It feels too easy to just say, okay, there's too many mouths to feed. I feel like that's a lot of times we fall into that sort of crevice, and it's just bad process and bad information and bad advice. But for Denver, it really feels that way when I don't feel the quarterback is adequate enough to move the ball around because we saw that last year with like green bay with aaron Rodgers, who they were able to kind of they were didn't have a real secondary receiver but they were still able to move the ball effectively enough to three guys which is jones tunyon and adams to get touchdowns they all scored double digits in all three the only team to do so so it's a little bit different story when you have a team like denver where it's like all right is Locke just going to completely implode one week and then they move to bridgewater because the problem i have is whoever starts for this team there's a possibility by week six or seven, it's the other guy, and then the season's lost. But uh, I'll move it on to Evan if he, uh, if, unless, if he can hear us because he's got the headset off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I can hear you. Sorry. I'm going to pivot and give sure. Evan and Clayton my other player. Sounds great. To consider can selling. You, can you guys hear me okay? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so the little, little note keeper over here couldn't hear with the um, headset on, so I had to take that off so she could hear. <laughs> Understood. Hi, little <laughs> note taker, Ava. Uh, so the player that I would might might consider selling solely based off of preseason hype, especially in Superflex leagues, is Justin Fields. He looked fantastic today. He did. And Bears fans and fantasy Twitter – are losing their minds to the point where I think you could get a haul for him right now in a super flex league. Evan, what do you think? Um, whew. I, man, I like Justin Fields. Um, but yeah, in redraft, if, yeah, if you're going to uh, test the waters and, you know, you know, put some feelers out and, you know, you get a, a, a nice return, then, you know, absolutely. I mean, anyone's expendable, right? I mean, anybody can get traded uh, at any given time. Everyone's got a price. Yeah, exactly. So um, right now, I mean, if I haven't really been on Twitter, um, but if you're saying everyone's going crazy because he did look great, you know. Um, and like I said, if you put some feelers out and you can move them, um, absolutely, because in a uh, in you said this is super flex, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, you can always there's always quarterbacks that you can you can get um, in a super flex a little a little bit rougher to uh, depending on what your your trade looks like. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I would I would definitely capitalize on the hype right now for sure. Yeah, Clayton, what about you? I don't hate the idea of moving him. Like anything else, it's going to depend on the return. I mean, if I've got somebody who's absolutely crazy about him and I can get a haul and I could get what I believe he, you know, is more value than he's worth or will be yeah. anytime in the near future. Yeah, of course I'll move him, especially if I'm in a rebuild or contention, depending on what I'm getting back. Uh, if I'm getting, yeah. if I'm in a rebuild and I'm getting a bunch of draft picks and I just happen to draft really well, this rookie draft. And I, let's say I have fields and, you know, I have a couple guys that I want to hold on to move fields, man. It, Nobody, nobody is irreplaceable. Everybody, everybody's got a price, like the million dollar man said. Uh, I, I have no problem with moving him. I, 
if he ends up being this earth shaking, you know, record shattering quarterback, then that's tough, but that's the game, man. It, it's, it's looking at the situation, trying to figure out what you think he's going to be and, and, and going off that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Matt and Clayton, I'm throwing this one to you two. It is also from Dave in the chat. What should I look for in terms of picks or players for King Henry in dynasty? Sorry, Matt, but you're going to have to put your dynasty thinking cap on. Uh, Dynasty's tough. For that. Oh, me first? Yeah. Yeah, you go first. Give, give you have to, it. This, this is going to depend on who you're in a league with. Is this a home dynasty league? Is this a, a league full of, you know, us? It, what you're going to get back varies depending on who's in the league. Because if I come to you and say, hey, give me three firsts for Derrick Henry, a 27-year-old running back who's never going to repeat what he did, you're going to tell me no. I mean, plain and simple. So I'm going to if I could get three eyes. <laughs> if I could end up getting, you know, a, a young running back that I love, let's say, let's say I could get Michael Carter. Let's say I could get a first and let's say I could get, oh, who's a good mid to high young wide receiver. Um, Arnold Mooney, Gabriel Davis, maybe. Elijah Moore. Close. Maybe both of them. Like if I could get Jerry Judy thrown in, I'm done. I, it, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. I, there's upside there. There's there's talent that I like. I get a first-round pick, and I'm getting out from under him before his value dips. I mean, it's like playing the stop, stock market, man. You got to you gotta kind of figure out when it's about to go down and sell, sell for what you can get. So that, I, I would look for something like that. Maybe even a second thrown in with it because it is Derrick Henry. It is King Henry. Come on, man. Yeah. No, I like that. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts for getting rid of Derrick Henry and Dynasty. Because it's tough. So, like, it, ooh, we've changed spots. Um, I really would try to be looking for one of the running back. Because if you're, if you're, if, if, Dynasty is weird. Because again, I'm real, I'm so redraft focused. So I'm trying to think like, normally it's like, okay, if I trade away Henry, what am I kind of value am I looking for back? Normally it'd be like a running back who's probably getting drafted in the second round and maybe receiver who's getting drafted in the second round. So you're packaging it together and all that. Because Derek Henry is a guy that's going the first round. His ADP at one point was the third overall player in redraft. So it's tough, right? But it's like, I don't know if you can even get guys who of the really good variety at running back. So I don't know if you can get Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if you can get DeAndre Swift. I don't know if you can get, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, Najee Harris and all that. If you if I would try to acquire one of those guys because you're still trading down in the same positions. So you're just really looking like listen, these are still gonna be quality backs, but they're not going to be as explosive as potentially Henry can be this year. Even me being a technical Henry doubter, I'd probably be looking for those guys. I would love DeAndre Swift. You know, with that coaching staff right now, the one thing I know they're going to do is use DeAndre Swift. Now, the problem is, is DeAndre Swift guy going to even buy that? The problem is, I don't think so. So that's really the problem here. So you're really looking at guys. And again, with me, if you're going for like total rebuild, you know, can we go even further down? Like what even is like you know the real rookies? Like what even is Travis Etienne? Again, I'm really not a dynasty guy. So it's really like a fault to me because tra trading is a little bit different story because you're looking at, you're not looking at 2021, which is really all I'm doing is looking at just this season. So it's tough. Um, I, you know, would like a combination of picks and one, like I would really be looking for, you know, when those backs are looking for a receiver of good quality, you know, even it's just, and again, it's really hard to say, like maybe, you know, you know, cause you got guys like Deontay Johnson over in Pittsburgh, but Ben Roethlisberger is done this year, next year, whatever it may be, um, you know, 
what about the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers guys? You know, even Godwin and Evans aren't extremely old, but Tom Brady's 44 years old. So it's like really these are all guys and receivers who are of a certain good quality, like even like Justin Jefferson. Like it's very tough to really figure out because Derrick Henry is so pricey. But I think you really want to try and push the envelope as far as you can. It's at least my best advice for a guy who's again, I've really only started playing Dynasty last year. Redraft is 100% my bag. I'm not going to pretend to be a Dynasty analyst. Um, no, so if you got Matt, that was a great answer. Like, oh, okay. that was yeah. a great answer. Um, and you, <laughs> you, you framed it with how you thought about it for redraft and then kind of expanded on that. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. Great job. Um, so, Yes, you and I have switched spots because I'm putting you in the driver's seat, um, partially so I can go get another beer, but Sounds also <laughs> because you got questions DM to you, so I'm yes. letting you uh, drive the drive the car for a little bit. So, Real quick yeah. on uh, Derrick Henry, um, you know, it could, and especially in Dynasty, it could go back to like what we were talking about earlier. Um, if he does, you know, start off the season again, I mean, just lighting it on fire, his you know, his value is never going to be higher. So, hit, you know, go look for one of those teams that are contending in your league. And, you know, they would love to have Derrick Henry on, on their team, especially if he is playing well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I definitely think a, a contender especially would love to have Derrick Henry. Um, and I would be shooting for one of those younger backs for sure. And he does um, have a good early schedule. Uh, Cardinals, Seahawks, Colts, Jets, Jaguars are his first five teams he has to play against. Really the only – and they're all kind of like middle of the pack. There's no real like super advantages. The Colts are most likely the most difficult of that group yeah. in terms of run. This is points per game allowed uh, last yeah. season at CBS.com. Um, but, uh, Shane, you go. Scoot, scoot. I got this. <laughs> so uh, from Guy Esposito at my name is Guy. First one's a joke, and then the, the second one is asking about uh, – it, it's framed in a better way. He said, will Tom Brady be old enough to collect Medicaid by year's end? <laughs> but it's really more a question of, is Tom Brady at age 44 really an issue this year in terms of how confident are you in terms of him being an actual, you know, priority for you to go and get a quarterback? Are you going to be happy with him, you know, <laughs> sticking around for the whole 17-game season? Technically, in the Scott Fishbowl, I drafted Kyle Trask with my last pick. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll start with Craig. Craig, what do you think about Tom Brady this year at 44? Redraft or Dynasty, wherever you want to throw it out. Um, but he is in an advanced age. <laughs> so. It doesn't bother me mainly because of what we've seen from him. You know, we all know what he's been capable of throughout his career. But then just literally that team around him is catered to what he wants. So he's going to know what he wants to do, where to go. I mean, the whole thing was built around him. That's, you know, one of the reasons that apparently Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay is they're not willing to do something like that for him towards the end of his career here, like, you know, happened with Peyton Manning in Denver, it happened with Tom Brady going down to Tampa. So even if his skills decline, which I think, you know, it's possible every year he's getting older, and unless he's pulling some Benjamin Button stuff or something, it, there probably will be some declining. And I think you've seen that from when he was younger. But is it enough in redraft to worry me? No. And he's a guy even like Aaron Rodgers, the two of them I have seen going a lot around the same spot in redraft, you know, sort of at that second level of quarterbacks, you know, in that six, seven, eight range, where if you're in a 10, 12 team league, I'm perfectly fine with taking one of those. I know they don't have the rushing upside, but they're going to be throwing enough and the focal points of that offense respectively, that I think that there's still just a great starting quarterback for you. So I'm fine waiting and redraft on yeah. it. And Dynasty, I mean, it depends on what you can get for him. If he's someone that you're targeting, 
you just never know when that other shoe is going to drop and he just says i'm done because he could do that you know at the end of this year and if you're paying up for him in superflex and probably don't want to be doing that evan where i mean it's also if you guys have ranks for him let me know uh so like in redraft he's currently going in terms of fantasy pros ecr going around quarterback nine i have him 11th in redraft uh but evan uh what do you, what do you think about Br- we're talking about brady mr shane what about brady i've got him at 23 in dynasty do you do you do redraft ranks or just dynasty ranks i i need to still do my redraft ranks don't tell jeff <laughs> so evan what do you think about uh for for brady this year redraft dynasty whatever you want to say um yeah i mean dynasty i'm out i have him in uh i do have him in the scott fishbowl i'm only in the satellite tournament so i took him in best ball i took him in a godwin stack um i also took uh zach wilson and elijah moore stack um i love that (laughs) yeah yeah so that was one of my my later ones um but yeah as far as brady goes uh, I just – it's hard for me to speak on his age um, just because time and time again he – you know, if you, you do, oh, this is the year. And then he goes and wins the freaking Super Bowl with a new team. I mean, it's hard to, to tell when he's going to slow down. Um, in, you know, in one quarterback leagues, I am totally fine waiting, you know, on quarterback and uh, targeting Brady um, in the later rounds, especially where you can get him at. Uh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think he has two good years left. Um, I really do because, uh, they're, they're letting him, he has free reign to do as he wants there to, you know, um, they're, they're give him they give him whatever he wants They give him the players, you know, it's, it's literally catered to him specifically. Um, and he's gonna, he's gonna let, you know, He's going to let Bruce Arians know, you know, hey, man, this is what, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. Um, if he does start to decline, you know, he's going to he's going to mold his game to that as well. So I think uh, I think he has a couple good years left. Um, but as far as uh, in drafts, like I said, I am completely fine. Um, if I walk away with him as my only quarterback, I'm OK with it. Clayton. Clayton, what do you think about Mr. Brady? When it comes to Sir Thomas Brady Esquire, uh, <laughs> man, a redraft, I have no problem with him. Dynasty is a little more complicated because of the fact that his last year in New England, I, you know, prior to that season, I was like, this is probably it. This is the cliff. And then he went out, and I'm sure you saw the montages as well as I did of his dink and dunk passes throughout the whole season, mainly because of a lack of weapons to throw to. But at the same time, it, it struck some fear in my heart. And uh, I, I knew. <laughs> I, I knew he was done, man. And then he went to Tampa Bay and he balled out. And I would say it's the it, Solomon dynasty. Get anything you can for him. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know if it's going to be cybernetics or, or cryogenesis, <laughs> but he will find a way to play up until 2032, 2033 season. I mean, it, it's what it we feels like. We can rebuild like. him. We can make his, him stronger. His, his agent has said they plan. They are looking at four to five more years. Like, See, and it's the fact that that's even on the table is just insane. But the one it, thing it really he's avoided has been any sort of catastrophic injuries to his throwing arm. He hasn't really had anything besides like was the ACL like back in like what 2006. Well, I mean, the man takes care of his body. It, it's unreal what he you know he pays and the stuff he you know he goes through and and what he eats and maybe and- it's the avocado tequila, man. I don't know, <laughs> but when it, when it when it comes down to it, man, uh, you can't count him out 
until he shows you that you have to. I, at this point, if I have him in Dynasty, I'm I'm holding on to him until the, the bottom drops out. That's it. And uh, I have no problem with him in redraft. Sounds good. We'll move on to the next one. We'll, we'll try and keep it a little bit shorter than that because I, I because I'm at Brady all day, but I never want to talk about Brady for all day. Uh, so we got from Sean Stratos at Hi, I'm Stratos. Or will Jalen Hurts keep the starting role in Philly? It's two pronged. Is there a trade? Is that trade rumor you thought that might have happened with Deshaun Watson actually any sort of fruition? And also, are they really locked and loaded on Hurts with the elite one Joe Flacco behind him? It's more of a sense that. Is Philadelphia actually so loaded into Jalen Hurts really being their starting quarterback, considering that this is not, you know, to my knowledge, this is not through yet. Yeah, you got drafted last year. This is not the regime that drafted Hurts. They don't have any sort of real inclination to do so. That's why we had the rumors, I guess, of Watson being brought in in the first place. Do you think Jalen Hurts starts this year as the, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback? And do you think he stays the whole season? Shane, over to you. Yes and yes. Sounds but good. <laughs> but after, after that, I don't know. I think they want to see what they've actually got um, and see if he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL and continually produce. Um, so I, I, I'm i not worried about Joe Flacco. Um, sorry, uh, Lindsay. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think Hertz gives that team another aspect that Flacco clearly doesn't, which is his rushing – floor um so from a, a um fantasy perspective that's what i was thinking of um, yeah, that's a word that gets thrown around here quite a bit <laughs> yeah, from a fantasy perspective i think hertz gives them a, a more broad scope of what they can actually do same with real football so i'm not really worried about that i don't know about the watson trade um but i don't know if watson wants to go to philadelphia because at this point in Watson's career, I'd be shocked if he doesn't. I mean, I know he's only 25, but he wants to win championships. He's not doing that in Philadelphia. That team no. is a whole bad. Yeah, that's a, it, it, they really kind of sold out for that uh, for that Super Bowl a few years ago. Craig, what on to you? What do you think about this whole Philadelphia QB situation? I don't have a problem with Hurts this year. I think that it's been said a lot, but they probably are looking to upgrade that position just from the rumors going around that just don't seem to stop swirling. He could put an end to them if he just has some sort of insane year. Um, I don't believe in him that much. Fantasy-wise, I think he has a nice floor with that rushing potential, and you know he has an arm that we saw in college, uh, but his accuracy was just not there at all in what you want in an NFL quarterback, and that worries me when the team is, to me, actively trying to replace you. So this year, I think he's fine. I don't think, you know, Flacco is the answer there. We, they know that. But it's a veteran where if everything just goes completely south, they can at least plug someone in there. So I'm fine for him this year. Long-term potential, no. And I'd be fine playing him this year. Mr. Evan Ritter, what do you think about this whole uh, – so we got so far we had a little bit not too much real worry about Hurts, at least for 2021. Are you in on Hurts? Do you're a Hurts guy? Do you, would you rather see Watson there? Any, any of the above? Um, I for hurt with Hertz's running upside. I I love him um as a, a quarterback this year, uh for sure because I think he is going to um be the quarterback in Philadelphia for the entire year. Uh, just with everything looming around Watson, um, while it it could potentially be a good fit, I I just don't see um that situation going away anytime soon, um. So I don't see Watson going to Philly. And 
as far as the future, I think that all rides on Jalen Hurts. It, it's, you know, can he can he take a step forward, um, you know, passing? Can he get a little more of, of that timing down? Um, you know, can he become uh, a little bit of little better of a passing quarterback um because we all know that the he has huge upside with his legs um and maybe uh you know maybe Devonte smith helps him you know take that uh take that step forward maybe you know that's the receiver he needed um but i think you know pretty much like everyone else is saying for 2021 i think his job is secure um and you know the the balls on his court um, as far as you know whether or not he will be continue to be the quarterback in the future for the Eagles. Clayton, <laughs> here we go. Um, when it comes to Hurts, man, I I think he starts. I think he keeps that starting role. I don't think a trade gets done because I think Houston's going to want too much for Watson because they already don't want to let him go. And with everything surrounding him, I don't think Philly's even willing to pay what he's worth uh, as a player. So, yeah, I think, he, I think he starts the season. I think he holds the job the whole way through. I think he's going to be better for fantasy than he is for real life. Uh, you know, a Jameis Winston example. He Everybody loved him, even though he threw 30 picks a game. It didn't matter yeah. because he was putting up fantasy points. <laughs> 5K, 30 touchdowns. Yeah, that was a hell of a year. <laughs> right. So uh, th- I think he's going to be that kind of quarterback. I don't know that he's going to keep that starting role for more than maybe – two years before he gets replaced if he doesn't you know live up to the standards that they expect but i, I have no problem with him this year yeah i'm uh, i'm a little out on him in terms of you know his overall where i haven't ranked which currently is at qb12 right so just for this season uh Rushing upside is great. The problem is that we've started having more and more rushing quarterbacks who are hitting 200, 300, 400 plus rushing yards, where now you have to have both. Where it used to be just like a year or two ago, where, you know, before Jackson really came in, just having like 300 rushing yards or like 500 rushing yards. When Russell Wilson was like the only guy doing it, that was a big deal, right? With Hurts, that overall offense, I'm worried about how good it is um, and how good he is a passer so it's nice that he has a floor of like 40 50 rushing yards a game i want a little bit more and i think there's enough guys in the top 12 i have no problem if people want to take him over brady who have 11 or Tannehill at 10 we want to start moving towards stafford herbert rogers and i want to put herbert uh, sorry hurts in with the i think elite or near elite tier which would be the top six quarterbacks going on average which would be some combination of mahomes prescott allen jackson murray and wilson I really think it's starting to worry that we're putting too much emphasis on one statistic. Uh, it's also, I have a little bit of issue with that with also with Kyler Murray, who currently to me, I think does everything kind of well, but he won't lead any sort of category. So I have, I have you know, Matt, Patrick Mahomes might lead the league in passing touchdowns. Dak Prescott might lead the league in passing uh, yards. You have Josh Allen, who might be able to lead again the league in rushing touchdowns for the quarterback position, because he has run like eight or nine past few seasons, who is actually, I think, the biggest threat to... We see the uh, argument that happens on Twitter all the time. You guys see Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. Uh, yeah, sorry, the one biggest threat to the other guy is going to be to me, Josh Allen. So, it's just a big question mark, really, kind of what, how far up should Hurts really be pushed. Uh, next question i got though it's talking about these crowded backfields and how much how guys how much you guys really love talking about these sort of guys no <laughs> but so dennis deets at tweet deets how to handle the split backfields with new rbs versus guys that have been there like javante melvin gordon connor and edmonds drake and jacobs 
you know, all of these really messy situations, even that Buffalo sort of spot. Are there any that you're like, you can even say, pick out which ones you want to talk about. So we'll go opposite way this way. Um, so, so we're clean this time. Of those messy backfields, is there one you really want to hone in on? Um, so you just pick whatever players you'd like. You don't have to go through all of them. Otherwise, we'll be here all night. <laughs> right. I, I'll go with the Bucks backfield, uh, if that's acceptable. Oh, of and, course uh, it's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. I am 100% out on Leonard Fournette, and Thank I am you. 100% in on Ronald Jones. Okay. Uh, let's, let's hear it. You look at the statistics from last year, and the only categories in which uh, Leonard Fournette was better than Ronald Jones was in receiving. He got more receiving work. Uh, you know, you had playoff Lenny down the stretch because Rojo was banged up. But when you really break it down, man, Rojo is over here, you know, breaking off almost five yards of carry for the entire season and Fournette's down around three. I mean, he had more, uh, Rojo had more yards. He had more touchdowns. Uh, he had more opportunity. And if it wasn't for the injury, playoff Lenny wouldn't be a thing. So that that's where I land in that backfield. And I think, I think with the addition of Giovanni Bernard, it's only going to take receiving work from Fournette because he was the receiving back last year. It doesn't hurt Rojo. He is the number one in that backfield. I got some stats actually helped your, your claim there if you want to. So before week 13, and this offense changed completely for a few ways. One, Antonio Brown came about and really cemented himself. got comfortable. Two, Ronald Jones got went down with injury. Prior to week 13, here are the comparisons between the two, Ronald Jones and Len Fournette. Ronald Jones had 162 carries for 120 yards, 40 targets, 27 receptions for 161 and six total touchdowns compared to Leonard Fournette with 69 carries. Nice 271 yards, 37 targets, 28 receptions, 171 receiving yards and three total touchdowns. If Ronald Jones didn't get hurt and if Leonard Fournette didn't get playoff status, we would really be on Ronald Jones. I love that. Thank you, Shane, for yelling at me in the chat. On to Evan. I thought it was great stats. All right. <laughs> Thank you for those, by the way. Evan, pick a backfield. Look, you got to make a 69 joke. It, it's fine. <laughs> um, so for me, I – the Detroit Lions backfield, um, I like – I really think Jamal Williams is going to get a lot more work than people are um, expecting. He's uh, – Coach has already said he's going to ride the hot hand. Um, he's came out and said that everyone loves DeAndre Swift, but where you can get Jamal Williams, um, I mean, the value is there because I, I'm telling you, he's going to get work, um, especially in that backfield where and, and on a team that you know is not really going anywhere. Um, so I, I don't think they, they uh, run DeAndre Swift into the ground. I don't think he's the workhorse. I think Jamal Williams is going to get um, enough work to uh, – Which kind of work, though? Receiving or rushing work? It's very specific for Swift because one matters a lot more than the other for him. Yeah, so I, I think I, – I mean, I, re I really think that you could see a, like a split backfield in that – um, I think he could get passing down work as well as rushing work. I really do. Um, and then, like I said, I think uh, if it's DeAndre Swift, one game is is you know just is ripping off run after run, and and you know he's he's hot. He then you may not see much of Jamal Williams, but vice versa. Um, I think you could really see a uh, more of a split backfield than people um, want to uh, want to believe. Um, and especially as I said, where you can get where you can get Jamal Williams. Um, I think he's going to, you know, crush that ADP. As a Packers fan, Jamal Williams is a nuisance in the passing game. 
Um, he he does relatively well with a handful of touches in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I disagree with you, Evan. I I think this <laughs> it's all Swift this year for me. Yeah, uh, but that, so most people do it, you know. Um, but that's just uh, that's just one of my uh, you know bold takes. I like it. Mr. Craig, Internet Wizard, pick a backfield. I'm going to go two of them, and I'm going to give you the same sort of thing with both of them. Sure. The Bills and the Eagles. Um, I don't want anything to do with the top two guys. If you're looking at ADP right now for Buffalo, I'll give me Matt Breida, who I think will be utilized in the passing game more there than either Singletary or Moss with that's coming out, and then, of course, Moss getting hurt. Um, you know, the reports on the Breida has speed, I and mean, we saw that in San Francisco. If they're going to be using one guy in the passing game right now, it sounds like him. So give me him in a PPR league. Same thing with the uh, Eagles. If you're looking at their ADPs, give me a shot at Gainwell late um, as a guy that will be utilized in the passing game and is shown to, I think, of this draft class have the best chops in the passing game. And for a team that I think is going to have to be throwing, um, give me the later ADP guys that have the higher upside at their draft positions for those two teams. Yeah, and uh, Gamble might get helped. I believe Carry On Johnson report today. He possibly has a knee issue, so I guess that's something to look Shocker. at. Yeah, it sucks <laughs> for him, man. Because here's the thing: if Carry On Johnson, I thought he was a lock to end up in Atlanta uh, in the offseason. Healthy Carry On Johnson would seriously be considered. I'd say a top twenty-four back. Like, yeah, I mean, it's completely fair. That's Auburn, being an Auburn fan, but he was so good. Yeah, I thought he was the future in in uh in Detroit. Man. Scott, he's just been hurt his whole NFL. I thought Amir Abdullah would be the future too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. But, uh, uh, these guys get used. I mean, Duke Johnson. Everyone was on him about you know he had the skill set to be that receiving back for a team and breakout, and he's just gone. I mean, he's a free agent. He wasn't utilized in Houston at all, and it seems to have killed his career. Yeah, and I uh, I kind of agree with you in the terms of Gainwell on their. Philadelphia made a real decision to bring in a whole bunch of guys. I really kind of worry how confident they are in Miles Sanders. And Sanders, to his credit, did the best he could on a team that was losing guys left and right every single week. It's also like Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz got a real bad rap from that. Uh, Him going off to Indianapolis, him missing, you know, the preseason doesn't help. But uh, but Shane, pick a backfield. Who do you like? Uh, first off, Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders both suck. Um, second off, I'm going. Who do you, you're you're so odd because you're like you randomly. It, it's nice. It, it's been a nice two days because I get to learn Shane randomly loves and hates particular people. That's really good. <laughs> so I'll pick a backfield, and I think you're gonna like this. Maybe um, Denver. Okay, I'm not touching Denver from a redraft standpoint this year because. I don't like Melvin Gordon. He, I think, had technically a really good year from an efficiency standpoint last year. But I don't like him. I don't trust him um, to continue that because I think he's 28, maybe 29. So he's getting old. But I think if he is still on the team, he's going to – and we talked about this earlier, and I think yesterday or maybe Tuesday on the Potathon. I can't remember. This shit's running together at this point. But <laughs> I think Gordon is going to cut into Javante Williams' workload a lot more than people want to admit. Um, and Javante is being overdrafted because people are so hype on him. From a dynasty perspective, it's Javante 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, super. But from a redraft standpoint, I don't want either one of them because – I think Melvin Gordon sticks around longer and pisses off Javante owners 
And then I think Javante steals some passing work and um, touches here and there that were valuable to Melvin last year um, and is a nuisance for them as well. And hell, like it, even if Javante doesn't take over by week eight, like I think he will, and then they split it from week eight or week nine to week 18, you, you're dealing with a split backfield here, and I just I don't want anything to do with it. Um, yeah. I think their offensive line will be better, but there's just we, – we've talked about it a lot this weekend. There's too many mouths to feed there. I don't know who the quarterback is. Don't know if that's an asset to either one of these guys. So I'm not touching these guys if I don't have to. Yeah, a few like career lows in terms of like, you know, yards per game receiving wise and receptions, which actually really have helped Melvin Gordon quite a bit um, because he's not a particularly excellent runner. That's not his real like – shining star really moment for him um really only two he's only had two seasons entire career over four points per carry um i mean sorry four yards per carry so he's not historically been an excellent runner that's not really what people kind of gravitate towards him he's just very kind of good at both spots and has been able to have a very good sort of like backfold in terms of touchdowns which was not an accountable sort of stat at all anyway but understand with you i'd rather prefer to take neither of them and just say hey i don't want them but going out and recommending people to go get Williams ahead of Gordon, I don't think is a, is a clear mistake. Oh, that's a horrible idea. I'm completely with you on that one. I got more questions. Look at all these questions. Uh, from- Hold on. Before you do that, let's check the chat real quick. Sure thing. There's, you got Nick Stanelli saying he's lo- he loves you. People love you. That's why he wants to check it. He already saw that. Oh, I didn't. I can't see it. I was on the banners. Um, I love you too, Nick. Okay, let's go back to the banners. Throw that up. Matt, take it away with your next question. So, uh, James Franzone at jfranzone35. Uh, do you see any NBA-style load management happening with the extra week? Really kind of, I guess, in terms of going with, again, with running backs, right? Are you going to see towards the end of the stretch or maybe in the midseason, kind of have like a second bye week is kind of how I'm pertaining this. And this is something I've talked about um, before where – a lot of teams were hoping for a second buy or a universal buy. The Thursday night games are a killer to everyone involved. The Players Association hates them. Hates the Thursday night games. You, everyone says it feels like you got hit by a car. Really on- a bad product too. That's what I yep. don't like. It's it is just it's yeah a good Thursday night game. We'll go right into you, Shane. Yeah, so take it away on this one, really. Yeah. So uh, that's a really really good question. So shout out to I think you said Jay Frank. James Franzone, James Franzone, J Franzone 35. Yeah, so that's a really, really good question. Um, I think you could see it with the playoff teams later on in the season. Um, so if you've got a team like Cleveland, it's about Cleveland because they have a running back in Hunt yep. who Green Bay, Cleveland. Um, I'm trying to think of someone else, Tampa Bay, Tampa Pretty easy Bay, one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. What about Tennessee with Darrington Evans coming back? Time, especially with Henry with this load, like I said, I, I think this year as a year, I think you should be loading up on all the running backs you can late in the drafts, right? Yeah. Um, Ooh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis is another one. Yeah, with um, Mac and Hines and the whole Mac funky bunch. And Hines, and I think they still have Jordan Wilkins, but who really cares about Jordan <laughs> Um, uh, Buffalo, I mean, you know, that's a team I think comes out of the East, but who knows Buffalo, exactly I'm not what's, really worried about because I think you don't really want either of them anyway. Because we're, we're really, really looking at like you know, Cleveland because of Chubb, you have Tennessee, you're just the division, the guys you think are going to win the division. Um, so it's kind of like, are you prioritizing handcuffs? Are you worried about these first, like, because a lot of running backs are going in the I first mean, round? Like, 
I'll be uh, like, honestly, I'm a big handcuff guy anyway. So if I can go get a handcuff, whether it's redraft or dynasty, I'm going to. Um, and like we talked about earlier today, you've got your super handcuffs and like Pollard, Latavius Murray, Kareem Hunt. Um, I think. Yeah, those are the handcuffs. only ones I want are the high end handcuffs. Yeah. yeah, and I think all of those teams are actually good. Good ones. Madison, because well, but the Vikings might not be. Madison might so. not be worth a damn just because the Vikings not be might, might <laughs> not be worth a damn. But yeah, I think those three right there are are good handcuffs to own because all three. Depending on how New Orleans quarterback situation shakes out, could have a lot of value late in the season if they decide to rest their starters. Um, but that's a great question. So, I Craig, over and over to you with this one. Are you, are you like really worried about? You hoping you know teams don't have a second buy in a sense where they're just kind of like, all right, you know, maybe because <laughs> they don't even like you know. I can't say they're going to pull a quarterback or maybe receivers take some more time off, but like maybe guys like Julio Jones who really hasn't played more than eighty percent of his snaps in his career on offense. Like, what do you think about like either the older players or thinking about the running backs, anything like that for this season? It is a consideration, but I think it's just one of those things that runs in there, sort of like injuries, and then how well a team ends up doing as far as resting guys down the line. It's so hard to predict that. I mean, some of these teams, if you look at them. Uh, like Tampa Bay, you know, pretty much everyone's predicting them to get to the playoffs. They're probably going to do well in that division and not have to worry about a whole lot of it at the end of the year. Well, what does that mean for that team? You know, does Keyshawn Vaughn end up getting more carries, you know, towards <laughs> the end of the year? I mean, are you really going out and caring about him a whole lot more? It's something that I'm thinking about in the back of my head and more as the season goes on, you know, seeing how these rosters end up playing out because because injuries are going to end up ruining something for someone, probably a number of someone's in your leagues. I'll worry about it when I get to it, you know. Hey, that's fine. Listen, we're, we're, you know, middle of August right now. That's a total, like, it's a November question in a sense. And it's like, how far can you really, because this is the first time we have this season. We might know all about this and be super, like, confident in what we think in 2021. I'm sorry, in 2022. But right now, we don't know what the, the additional game. So it's like, Evan, so like a team like, Las Vegas, right, with Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs, very similar players in play style, very similar players. In playoff, so it won't matter. But this is a team that has, for the first half of their season, been competitive. So let's say they put it all together this year, right? So like a team like Vegas, you know, any of those teams that have you know, similar backfields in terms of quality, are you seeing maybe more touches pushed off to the second guy? Um, it doesn't have to be Vegas, but like a team like that. So what's, what's your thoughts on that? What about Arizona, Evan? Arizona, um, same thing. Yeah, any of those teams. Yeah, so as far as – I mean, I think – I, I think that they're like in, in Arizona specifically, I think Edmonds is going to get the chance to um to to handle, you know, handle his business and, and be the guy. Um but uh, you know, with we haven't we haven't seen him be able to do that. So I'm you know pretty sure that's why James Conner was brought in. So they're not going to, you know, just let James Conner, you know, not get any any touches and you know earlier we were talking about the Jacobs and Drake thing and I was kind of a little higher on Jacobs but after you, you know, I think it was last night actually after you made the point of how much they paid Drake and you know kind of looking at statistically wise they're kind of, you know, the same player go hand in hand. I don't see, you know, why they're going to let Jacobs be the main guy. So I, I'm starting to to really think that um, until an injury or you know one guy just doesn't have it anymore, um, which I think is a potential for Connor, um, 
I, I just think I, I think that the the number two guy absolutely is going to get um, enough work, and um, it's hard to say you know which one that's gonna which one it's gonna be. I do think initially um, Edmonds and Jacobs will get their will get their chance to you know be the ones be the primary back, um, but those guys are there for a reason, and you know with any any slip or any you know downside to their game, I think they could easily get their job, you know, overtaken. Clayton, wrap, wrap this bad boy up. What do you kind of think about with like all these, you know, backfields, you know, receivers, any, any like sort of guys who might even have like injury concerns going into the year, you know, what's kind of like going to be the, the additional game. Cause we're talking about the season ending now in January. So like, what, what does it really look like for you? So when you look at this, uh, you could argue, we, when do we have our playoffs? When is our championship? Is it week 17 ever? No, it is now not, technically <laughs> technically but before this season no because week 17 was kind of a load management week it was that week if you had clinched you're not putting your starters out there man because that game doesn't matter so i think if anything we're gonna see you know week 17 and 18 if you have a team if you have a kansas city who's up three or four games they've already clinched it they've already clinched their bye they're not worried about anything then yes People having their championship weeks in week 17 who moved it ahead because the season, you know, expanded by a week. Those people are going to be very upset, you know, when they when they're Patrick Mahomes and their Tyreek Hill stack, you know, are sitting out because they've clinched the bye. They're not worried about anything. They're not putting them out there weeks 17 and 18. So if we see anything, it'll be at the end of the season. In my yeah, so like, uh, you know, I'm up here in New York, so like New York Jets, right? So technically the week 17, which would be championship week for regular, that's a regular fantasy. Like uh, if you start up any sort of site, your fantasy championship is now week 17, where it was week 16 prior. Right. That is January 2nd. January 2nd is now championship week. That is a crazy long time from now. <laughs> and it's just really interesting to look at. And you're like, huh. We're in 2022. Uh, by the time I actually, you know, I get to put my name on the trophy in the uh, the league we just set up with uh, everyone because my team was so good, guys. Thank you for letting me draft that bill stack. That was so kind of you. Oh, <laughs> um, but it's really interesting to just think about because again, you know, next year we're going to possibly come in with just all the information we can have on this. So it was just, I think it was a really good question to cover because people are going to be thinking about what is really going to be, you know, the total situation about. What is this going to look like? Uh, we got a few more questions. That's actually coming from, he couldn't join us tonight, but it was a big fan of him having us, uh, having on with us earlier in the day, which is Joel Segrist. Find him at Joel Segrist. Uh, was it Joel Segrist FF? Yes, Joel Segrist FF. Good guy. Builds websites. He's a hey, kind Matt, fella. Matt, I've actually got a follow up question real quick. By um, me. I will uh, pose it to Clayton specifically because you brought it up. Sounds mm -hmm. great. If a team clinches their playoff spot their bye week etc really early do you see them starting to bench players earlier with this extra game bench no a reduction of workload perhaps uh if, if you go if you go too early if you go to week 13 i i don't think anybody can say that at week 13 with five weeks left that they've clinched a bye so it's going to be later than that but if they have a really good feeling if they if the if their division, if their uh, if their conference is is you know that that spread out, sure, but I don't see it playing out that way. There's going to be very tight races to get those to get those bye weeks in the first round. So, if anything, like I said, it would be week 17 and week 18 where we see a you know 
two instead of one, like we've typically seen. Because who can we even think that might even clinch that far out in terms of like division? So like the AFC East, I don't think I, I, I like the Bills going to take it, but I, I can't say that they're going to be that far out. Uh, I'd like to think the Chargers and possibly the Broncos sleep are a little bit of a sleeper, but the Chiefs, you know, they're perennial kind of Super Bowl contender at this point. But and I think the Chiefs are going to come out. And I, I, I know I said this on the pod, but I might have said it earlier this weekend, too. But I really think they're going to come out and be like, yeah, you guys pissed us off because we lost in the Super Bowl. So we're going to beat you by 50. We're going to beat you by 30. <laughs> we're going to beat you by 40. We're going to beat you by 20 because we're feeling nice today. And then we're going to come back and beat you again in two weeks by 50. So, so we just I, so the AFC is probably just the Chiefs because the NFC, AFC North is extremely competitive. And AFC yeah. South, you at least have the Titans and the Colts. And on the NFC side, technically we never know who's going to win the East for right. the NFC. Uh, Washington won it last year, and that's the best team in the division. But I guess it's going to be the Cowboys or the Giants. And I think the Giants, if they get their act together and they stop fighting each other in practice, I like that roster. Um, but who so knows there? The NFC, the NFC West is a total toss up. Yep. The NFC North, I like to say Packers, but the Bears now have an offense potentially with whenever Justin Fields gets in there. Um, so it's still, I think, two teams and the NFC South. I guess maybe that's the other one with the Buccaneers because I think the Saints really take a step back. Uh, and the Panthers and Falcons are kind of teams in flux right now. They're really trying to kind of get it all together uh, in you know, one way or another. you got new quarterbacks. you got new head coaches, all that sort of stuff. So maybe just the the Bucs and maybe just the Chiefs. We're, t- we're thinking about that a few weeks prior to real championship week, but I guess we'll know more when that kind of gets down to it. Uh, but otherwise, a question from Joel Segrist. It's going to be very focused on uh, so it's a friend of his. His, his name is Kevin. So we're going to say hi to Kevin. Uh, does Tyler Lockett's volatility scare you? How does the new offensive coordinator from the LA Rams change your expectations for that offense? And I am back to being the center square. <laughs> am I Am I no longer – Am I? have I lost host roles? To, to, to You've sh- lost your host roles. Actually, you can <laughs> ask me these questions since they're from Joel. Um but since I've got him too, I figured I could take back over. Um, but no, go ahead. Ask your question, sir. Uh, so answer the question. So I asked and answered. I asked ask the question. And answer. So I'll answer first just because so, I, I, I <laughs> Does Tyler Lockett's volatility scare you off? Uh, at his price, no. I think at his price, he's a, he's a decent value. Um, and I don't know. I think the, the change in offensive coordinator this year – will hopefully help them be more consistent as an offense overall. Um, I don't know much about the new offensive coordinator there, but... Um, yeah, Waldron came over from the Rams. Yeah, I really just think that they need to... Um, I won't even say get back to what they, they know, with which is pound the rock and, and then run play action, I think, but just be more balanced throughout the entire year. So let Russ cook when he needs to cook. Pound the ball with Carson when you're you have a lead, um, and, and so with that, I I think they will have a more balanced attack hopefully, and Lockett and DK will both be able to hopefully produce more consistently. And it was an issue, I think. So week weeks like one through nine, right, with Russell Wilson, uh, I think we've kind of been sitting here. We wouldn't have any sort of worry with DK Metcalf, with him, with Lockett. Because Lockett did. He had 55-point games, and he had three-point games, and he had more three-point games than he did 55-point games. So that's a real problem with him, right? But through the first eight 
weeks. And it's really funny because you have a clear first weeks one through nine and weeks 10 through 17. The offense completely drops off. All the efficiency goes down. So Russell Wilson, 297 pass attempts for weeks one through nine, 261 onward, 211 completions to 173, 2,541 yards for the first uh, eight weeks. Falls to 1671. That's 210 per game compared to 320. 28 touchdowns to 12. In terms of fantasy points, we're talking about 34 fantasy points per game through those first eight to 20.3. You went going from being a guy who at one point was going to, we thought was going to set records in passing touchdowns and passing yards. It was looking like, okay, Russell Wilson is the MVP. We don't have to talk, we don't have to think about it. Cool. It's locked in. And then it's like, oh, hey. Uh, I think you should probably drop Russell Wilson in your fantasy leagues. That's kind of what it got to, and that's kind of gross. And I think it all kind of plays in together, right? They changed offensive coordinators. They changed the entire idea of what this offense could be because Pete Carroll's a terrible head coach. So they need someone who could probably get – oh, he's terrible. He's so bad. The The idea of the South Seahawks for the last eight years or so has been hike the ball to Russell Wilson, and he goes does some magic. The fact he doesn't have a single MVP vote is because Pete Carroll is a jackass. Craig. Matt, hold on. Craig, he's a jackass. Know, <laughs> Matt McCarthy, I could kiss you right now. Oh, okay, cool. That's the it's the opposite. I, I, <laughs> I'm a Notre Dame fan. Pete Carroll was the coach at USC. <laughs> Win note there. And Reggie Bush illegally pushed Matt Leinert into the end zone in 2006. I absolutely love you for saying that. Pete Carroll's a jackass. He so. is a jackass. How do you have Russell to not have a single MVP vote in the career that he has had? He has been the stool, the the stool, the, the dual threat. That was a tongue Where's twister. There, that was a tongue twister. Um, for so the past, you know, we're talking about Lamar Jackson. We're talking about Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson really set the fold. I mean, you have guys like you know, way back in terms of like Michael Vick and all that, but. It's it's been Wilson for a little while here, and the fact that like even has the super, you know, they have the Super Bowl victory, and it's like. Come on, this is this is dumb. This has been really dumb. Um, so, uh, Mister Mister Craig, what do you think about Tyler Lockett? What do you think about the Seahawks? What do you, talk to me about a little th- this and that. Despite you know the guy they drafted, I think it's Eskridge. I mean, you know, there's a lot of Gerald Everett hype. He's a late tight end uh, sleeper here. Lockett and Metcalf are the two main guys in an offense where Russ is still going to throw the ball. They're not going to be just a run focused team. I don't think they're going to have that luxury in that division and Lockett was still even in those games later on that you were talking about, he was still getting targeted in most of them with what you would want to see. Yeah. Those, those weird touchdown anomalies, anomalies like my speaking tonight, um, you know, where he's having three, you know, in like three different games and then like, you know, three other games where he had one or something like that. That is just so hard to predict. We talk about, you know, touchdown variance going up and down season to season. I don't think you can assume that that's going to be the same case, but the targets I think are still going to be there in an offense that is, is going to throw the ball. And they probably are trying to look to do it just more consistently throughout. So they aren't just these huge swings week to week in what they're doing. So at his price point, yeah, I'm taking them. Evan, what do you think? Of that? I, at one point in the off season, I called Russell Wilson, the best pick you can make at quarterback in fantasy drafts. What do you think about Evan Ritter? Uh, what does Evan River think about Russell Wilson? <laughs> Russell Wilson. Yeah. All right, okay. Um, I 
Russell Wilson is one of my favorite quarterbacks. Oh, and Lockett. Sorry, I forgot it was the question about Lockett, but both. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, yeah that's, that's why I was a little confused. Um, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson's one of my favorite quarterbacks, hand down. Um, you know, as a person as well, like off the field. You know, just all around. Uh, love that dude. Um, and I, I think he's, you know, uh, where I mean, he's going after Prescott. Uh, you know, in most drafts, go. I mean, he's. He's like he's the last one that if I am going to take a quarterback earlier than I would like to, he's the last one that I would you know consider. Yeah, pretty um, consistently the QB six in terms of ranks and ADP. Right. Usually, like the first five guys: Mahomes, Prescott, Allen, Jackson, Murray. In some case, and then a lot of people say Wilson's the next best guy. Exactly. So. Yeah. That. Um. So yeah, he's the last one that I would consider as far as Lockett. Um. I mean. Talk about volatility. He is definitely a, a volatile receiver. I mean, um, last year, I think it was, I saw a stat earlier. Um, damn it. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. It was 30, 37.5% of the time um, he finished with uh, wide receiver two or better numbers. Um, and, I, I mean, more than half – so 48.7% was of his production last year came from just three games. So, you know, he's going to have those large, you know, those breakout games. Um, but the weeks that he doesn't, it's just, you know, it's like, I, you know, those weeks you wouldn't even start him, honestly. Um, so the volatility for me is the reason I'm out on uh, Lockett. Unless, you know, he's your, your wide receiver, you know, three, then – um, then I would take him, but where he's going, you know, I'm just out on him. Um, as, as far as I'm concerned with Lockett, I, uh, I like some other guys in that range better than Lockett. So yeah, he's just a little too volatile for me. Um, like I said, you know, as early as he's going to have those boomer bust, you know, up and down, I just don't want to ride that wave with him. Yeah, that might actually been my tweet. So I actually made it back on July 1st. Lockett had nine games of left and 12 fantasy points last year in full PPR, and 46% of his game points came in those three games. Uh, so in one of those games was actually week 17, which didn't help you. So it was really just two games last year where he was like, hey, I'm awesome. This is great. Look at me score 55 points against something like Arizona. Um, so I'm with you in, in a lot of regards. I do think there's a lot of upside with him um, to this offense completely collapsing of the second half of the year. But I want to hear more about it from Clayton. Clayton, what do you think about this whole situation <clears throat> yeah pete carroll down the bottom. that was funny huh? i like that so yeah so so i feel like there's a conversation that happens every game where, where he's he's like hey come here tyler uh you're my guy man get out there and do it right and then once tyler's turn he turns to russ and dk and he goes hey uh forget what i just told him uh you know what to do right and then every <laughs> once in a while every once in a while lockett gets mad and he goes okay fine y'all just get him the ball this game right the volatility is horrible, and I don't think people acknowledge it enough because I have people that I'm in leagues with, I'm friends with, and they're like, oh, should I trade this consistent wide receiver with upside for Tyler Lockett? And I'm like, are you in a best ball league? Because otherwise, no. <laughs> I, I want DK. I think Russ is going to cook, and I, I think DK is going to eat. And, and Of course, Lockett is going to have his couple of games. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm I'm out on Lockett, man. Sounds good. We actually have a question in the chat here. He's, it was directed only at Chain, but I think we got the rest of us can can help answer it, as well. So that is a uh, psycho Bo. If you guys follow him on Twitter, you 
if you don't, you need to because he's the psycho ball follow me is the, is my worry. <laughs> I, I don't know, but we'll find out. So he's a former uh, fantasy football astronaut with me. Um, he good. says, should I be worried about JT this season or ride him out? Thank you. Bo, I don't even like it doesn't matter. You guys don't even have to answer this question because I know Bo well enough that it doesn't matter. If I told him to not ride JT out, he would still ride JT out because he absolutely <laughs> loves JT. Um, with that being said, ride JT out. Um, because if you look at this roster, T.Y. Hilton's getting old. I like Michael Pilt. Pittman, but I don't know if he if we're sold on him yet as a, a dynasty asset or even a redraft asset. Um, offensive line is is very good even without Quentin Nelson, um, and he should be back by the start of the season. Yeah, I think both well are actually going to be possibly week one. As well as Wentz. Um, so, yes, I'm writing JT out. And if you look at some other stats from last year, and Matt, you can probably like solidify this for me. Um, if you look at some running backs that actually performed – really well last year their offensive lines were garbage and we'll refine the garbage term a little bit they were at least in the bottom half of the league 16 or, or lower um, when it comes to offensive line play so that almost i won't say it it's a causation or a correlation because yeah that's not an argument i'm prepared to make but um yeah i i think i'm i'm going with jt this year no question yeah, and it's going to be just a question of like what's really happening with the offensive line because there was an offensive line that really had a great push last year, three yards per uh, per carry before even hitting contact. That is some elite numbers. That's when you're not able to just pick up, you know, enough yards where you do that, you know, two or three times. You got a first down. Yeah, offensive corners and head coaches are going to love that because that's really what they want to do. They're trying to beat the clock. They're trying to put the ball. That's all the things that really, for the football side of it, not NFL. Like you know, for fantasy for our guys, those are things that really make offensive coordinators and uh, head coach is really happy. Now, they usually change off the offensive coordinator because I believe was it Serini who went over to uh, they yeah. changed because uh, Marcus Brady was their QB coach is now the uh, offensive coordinator for Indianapolis. So this is a team has that has used, though, their backup running backs for the past years, I believe in, you know, I had the numbers so from 2020. Brilliant. They would have their backup running backs garner around 200 touches per season. Not one guy could be a few guys, right? So you have Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines is a very good pass catching running back, and he's a very versatile guy that can use secondarily. So does that hurt Jonathan Taylor in a little bit in terms of what his overall ceiling is? Jonathan Taylor to me is a first round running back. He is my lowest first round running back, and I think it's mostly because of just really what we got up there towards the top. So it's really like a question. You know, I'll even ask. I'll throw it to you guys in a sense because uh, I know I have him ranked. Uh, so like John, you know, right hand for Jonathan Taylor. Left hand for the other guy, right? It's all for you, right? This is redraft full PPR. Who's the other guy? Well, I'm going oh, to write off some names. Got it, got it. Yeah. So, Jonathan Taylor or Aaron Jones? Left yeah. is for the other guy, right? That's for so left is Aaron Jones, right is Jonathan Taylor. Okay. So I have, I have Aaron Jones right behind Jonathan Taylor, but they're both going to be first round picks for me. It's very close, but I'm going Aaron Jones from a PPR standpoint. Sounds good. Uh, Joe, uh, Jonathan Taylor, right hand, left hand, Joe Mixon. Jesus Christ, give me Jonathan Taylor. There's there's like a drop off. Twice on Sunday. Yep, because, again, that's a guy that's even in my ranks is 11th compared to Jonathan Taylor at 9, Aaron Jones at 10. There is a drop off. That's a different tier for me. But it's still considering people have to understand, you know, overall rankings and all that, right? I just John, Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb? 
So we got Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, 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 Chubb. We got a bunch of Chubbies. Right? It's tough. Are you going to make me pick? Yes. Okay, I'm going with the Browns fandom. Okay, so we got three Chubbs and one Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb, what do, you, what do you like a little bit more about his receiving outlook? You like a lot more what the offense is going to be overall or maybe just an overall touch workload? No Kareem right. Hunt. Like, because Kareem Hunt, you could at least compare to what whatever Marlon Mack and Nihon Hums together could possibly be a Kareem Hunt. We don't really know because Kareem yeah. Hunt wasn't necessarily a good overall running back. He was using a lot of closing situations. I keep bringing that stat up. 48% of his touches were used in the fourth quarter when they were trying to close out games, and Nick Chubb was already dominating. So let's see what really happens in another year and all that. Yeah. No, I, I think Chubb, despite his lack of passing um, volume, has running back like top five running back upside. And he did see some work down the stretch. He ran like 15 yeah. targets or so in those last few games. He was also really out. Tar- it was a, I called it his plays ran. Uh, less than 15 plays, which are targets, carries, all of that. Uh, last like five games, Hunt failed to hit that mark in all of those games. So that's yeah. a big thing. They really started to move away from Hunt towards the end of the season after he couldn't get it done when he was a solo guy. So how about, but you said Jonathan Taylor. I want to hear what you say about Jonathan Taylor over, over Chubb there. Uh, okay. Um, let me ask you, let me ask y'all a question real quick. Okay. If question on top of question. Y- you have Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. and I offer you Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines for your Kareem Hunt. Uh, you're going to make that trade. So here's the problem, right? So one is going to be a singular player compared to, to me, to the, the multitude, right? So okay. from an NFL standpoint, that's the thing, right? So last year, a good a good comparative to that would be Chase Edmonds versus the backup running backs over in Las Vegas because they had the exact same amount of touches, which was 150. But mm-hmm. those 150 touches were not created equally. So you had you know, the exact same amount of work kind of split between those guys, which also had Kyler Murray on top of it. Technically, Kenyon Drake last year in terms of touches given to players that were not Kenyon Drake were rushing the ball was Jonathan Taylor, 232. If you can combine Kyler Murray with Chase Edmonds. So for you and an overall, what you're saying is you would think cream hunt over those guys, cream hunt. If he had his own backfield, it'd be a great story. Cream hunt right, right now. It's operating really well in terms of what they want to do in terms of uh, the overall play for, for, uh, for Cleveland. But to your point, yes, I would, I would take just specifically only, um, you know, for that. Uh, but, you know, to, to anyone else on, you know, to your question, like, you know, build on that. What else do you like about Taylor over, uh, over Chubb? So, so when I look at this and I, I'm thinking of this from a dynasty perspective, like Bo is down there and, and redraft, I could probably go either way. Um, but when I really think about it, man, I, I look at the offenses and I, I know pretty much what the Browns are going to be. Uh, I, I know what their receiving core is going to look like. I, you know, I have a good idea of everything with, with wins coming in with the, the lack of, you know, or, or I guess kind of hazy outlook on the wide receivers. Uh, yeah. They're going to go to the tight end a lot, but I think Jonathan Taylor is just going to get more touches in general. I really do. So, I mean, give me the volume and the talent over just talent. And I, I think it's hey, pretty obvious. Volume that, is never a bad thing. So. Right. And and you have to understand that, yes, Hines is going to get his passing work he did last season, but it, it didn't eat into Taylor's production at all. And, and I feel like Kareem Hunt at a certain point, depending on situation, could eat into Chubbs. So I just I, I think Taylor's safer. So I got two more for you guys. A little bit different player. So Nick Chubb. I mean, I'm sorry, Jonathan Taylor. 
Derrick Henry. Redraft or dynasty? Redraft. So we got redraft, Jonathan Taylor, redraft, Derrick Henry. So we got Henry, Henry. Right hand is JT. Right hand JT, left hand Henry. JT, JT. All right, split. <laughs> you know, let's, uh, let's hear from Craig. You think about – so with, with Derrick Henry there over, over JT. He, he is still just one of those guys that, you know, he, he owns his own backfield currently. And we, we haven't seen anyone push him for it. There's going to be less attention to him if that's, you know, possible from what they had with Jones – or excuse me, adding Jones to Brown. Um, yeah, there might be some taken away by passing more, but I think his efficiency, oddly enough, could go up. Now, those that believe he's going to hit the cliff this year, I, I can completely understand that. He's proven me wrong enough that I'm not believing he hits a clip until it uh, gets there, sort of like Brady. So. Sounds great. And one last guy, a little bit different player, and this is full PPR we got to think about. Right-hand John Taylor, left-hand Austin Eckler. PPR. PPR, full PPR. Left-hand Eckler, right-hand JT. We got split. <laughs> Evan, tell me about Austin Eckler. Uh, I thought I was on mute. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I really – in PPR, you know, Eckler could be a freaking monster, man. Um, he's going to be a monster. And if for any reason he finally can get that goal line work, um, the the ceiling for Eckler is, is you know, through the roof. Um but we, we know he's going to – there's really no one behind him. You know, he's going to get all the work. Uh, so not only is he going to be a workhorse, um, he's going to catch a ton of balls. Um, and if he can stay healthy and, like I said, uh, you know, get that goal line work in um, a, a, a potent offense uh, with Herbert and Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, I, I think, you know, you could see – Eckler possibly, you know, creep up into the the top six backs, you know. Um, so, right <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm a I'm a big big Eckler, um, big Eckler fan this year, uh, for sure. And like I said, if he gets that goal line work, then it, it's over. Excellent. So Shane, from our private chat, you're kind of fading there, my man. You're getting a little tired. You've had the play. You've- You've had a lot of you've had a lot of stuff this week. We, we can still go with questions. And, you know, anyone who still wants to stick around, stick around. Otherwise, you know, like I said, no, I, let's uh, do it. I'm good. I was I, I, so Christian <laughs> Botella, who was in the chat, was asking me for you you guys' handles. So I was DMing that to him on Twitter real quick so he can follow <laughs> you guys. Um, cool, he, cool. he appreciates the uh, the support and the answers. Um, but yeah, so let's hit the uh, the next question here. Um, with Cam Akers gone and prayers up to a, a speedy recovery. And I think if there's somebody that can potentially break the, the mold or the history of Achilles injuries, acres got a, a pretty good shot with him only being 23. I but really hope so. How good is Daryl Henderson going to be this year from a fantasy perspective and do Jake, Jake funk, Xavier Jones, um, or I think that's it for running backs on the roster that are rosterable in fantasy. Do they have any value behind him, um, or do they funk up Daryl's uh, Daryl's value? Yeah, they have uh, Raymond Calais as well, but they're they're all either seventh round picks or undrafted players, so that's something to consider. Um, if if anyone's got, a, I, I have a really good jump off spot for Henderson, at least in terms of a coaching standpoint, unless someone wants to take the lead. Yeah, go ahead. So Henderson, my belief is that if 
the coaching staff who has not changed really hands in terms of like, you know, McVay's here, so the same GM, we have the same identity of what the Rams want to be, right? Darren Henderson, they go out and spend a third round pick on him, and we don't see a real collective, you know, big usage. We never like he was behind Gurley, and then we the year that we said, okay, Henderson is now technically at one point the lead back. They sent a second round pick on Cam Akers. If they were confident in Daryl Henderson, in my belief, they wouldn't have spent better capital on Akers. So it's not to me a complete replacement player. So if we're like midway into the season and we're already teams have been, you know, players have risen and fallen in value. Team players have been hurt. We have players going to be traded. We have everything going on, right? Preseason, you're trying to field the best team possible and you're trying to just project out and see what the range of outcomes for this player is going to be, right? So this exact moment with Daryl Henderson, for me, I think he's just an RB2 and a low-end RB2 at that. I think you have to actually move touches from the running back position to the quarterback. Matthew Stafford got a bump after this for me. I think you actually see more usage in guys like Van Jefferson, who is going to be at one point buried on the depth chart. You're going to see guys like Higby. You're going to see guys like Van Jefferson, players that were going to be used in terms of touches, going to acres in terms of receiving game and that sort of a look, because like, I think that was going to be a good point of emphasis for him. He was going to be a near top 12 running back. Guy you could have said around like Joe Mixon, Tony Gibson, those sort of guys. Now, I think Van Jefferson in deeper leagues should probably pop up. Tyler Higby got a little bit of a bump. Does Robert Woods get a bump because they've used him in the rushing game in, in previous years? He has had situations where he's actually had weeks saved because he would have like a rushing touchdown or any sort of matter like that. Um, sort of odd sort of weeks. He has like one or two weeks per year where it's just like, oh, okay, cool. He has like a rushing touchdown on top of what he's doing normally as a receiver, which is excellent to see because you want to have guys who can do multitude of ways. Look at fancy Twitter with LaVisca Chanel. Everyone loves talking about Visca because he does a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? But you look a little bit more towards Stafford. Now, it is a new quarterback. It's a very difficult system, 100%. McVeigh runs a very tough offensive system. We saw that down in Tampa Bay. It took weeks for Brady, who's one of the smartest, most bench, you know, he's the oldest guy in the league. You know, unless there's a kicker, I think maybe maybe Mason, Mason Crosby might be older. Well, no, not, retired. Hold on. Now I gotta check you on that. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> um having tough systems for a new quarterback in Stafford who has been in you know Detroit his entire career. It's a little bit different story now. It's a real kind of question. How has this overall offense changed for a guy that they weren't really happy with? I really would have thought they brought someone in. They have not done so yet. So I guess they're a little better on what, you know, Funk, Calais, and Xavier Jones is. So when we saw Xavier Jones, I believe Joel Seekers actually drafted him today in our fantasy football, you know, draft from home. Uh, Maybe he's actually a little bit ahead of the curve, and we should probably be looking at at least one of these guys, even in redraft, because who currently really aren't being seen at all. Um, but I, I, I hedge to you if any, uh, you know, Craig, Clayton, Shane, you have a. Hold on. Sure. Mason Crosby is 36 years old. Yo, what? <laughs> he looks. He's the oldest 36 year old I think I have ever seen. I'm 36. Oh, no. He just, you know, he graded really early. That's got to be it. Clayton, you look 20 years younger than Mason Crosby. Oh, no. God <laughs> almighty. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Uh, we didn't. We all didn't think that Shane was twenty five, but Mason Crosby, I thought was like you know, you know, like a ARP kind of range. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so congrats to, congrats to Tom Brady because he knows how to use just for men. So you know, 
Mason Crosby does not. <laughs> Kickers are different animals. <laughs> they, they, they don't have to have looks or anything. I mean, <laughs> ask, ask, yes, Shane is 25. How is everyone? I just, this is 26. Right? <laughs> not that it matters, but I'm 26. <laughs> but, um, I know it's shocking. It is shocking. Congratulations. Listen, a, you know, here's I'm the thing, a, right? Because I'm 27, I'm but you have a wife and a kid, and you're doing much better at life than I am. That's really, you've, oh, you have two kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's really the, yeah, you're just doing better than me in that department. That's why I was so shocking. But uh, whoever wants to ha- go f- next on. Are you talking about how Shane's 35 again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Goodbye, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, whoever would like to go next on. Oh, you have to you got to fix the order there. Um, otherwise, it's going to mess up your, your other stuff. Uh, but you know, Craig, if you want to go next on uh, Daryl Henderson, um, talk about that backfield, that team. I agree with where you said you think he's going to end up sort of at that back end RB two because I I agree that the coaching staff doesn't completely trust him to sort of be the guy they showed that what they did in the draft. Which one of the two is it going to be, Jones or Funk? I, I have no idea. So if you want to take a dart throw on either one of them at the end of a draft or both because you want to get a piece of that, great. You know, have at it. Um, we're not going to know until we know it, whether it's by injury or someone actually showing up and performing. But I think if one of them does get more of the work, it probably is going to be more of that passing work that they're going to eat into Henderson along with the other players that you said. Another one that came to mind is just Tutu Atwell. I mean, the guy that they took, I think he was their first draft pick. He's Bro, a guy that they could really more than Tutu Atwell. I, I have to imagine McVeigh is going to be using him if he drafted him there. Um, you know, he wasn't there. I don't think for the the Tavon Austin experiment. I think that was Fisher, wasn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm you know I'm like 80 pounds heavier than that dude. I'm not, not, you know, <laughs> he's like 165. That's that is uh, svelte. I don't think he's that much. I think he's 145. That's a that's a thin boy. Because here's the thing, like you know Cordell Patterson, right? Uh, one issue I have with him is how tall he is. So it's very – if he's going to take hits constantly, that's why I don't think he's going to take a dramatic amount of work in terms of rushing over there in Atlanta. Um, same sort of situation if, you know, Tutu Atwell is used in different sort of ways. Maybe he hits on, you know, Van Jefferson. Maybe he does, you know, this and that sort yeah. of situation. But um, I don't know if I want a guy like that size getting carries, you know, outside like jet sweeps and, you know, this sort of gadget stuff and uh, maybe like some wide receiver screens, make him use his speed, make him use his – Yeah, in the passing game, that's – yeah, uh, so it's uh, but I, I you know it's really I think they're the passing focus now becomes greater. I think that was really the uh, the point I really wanted to hit on um, in terms of Henderson. I just don't think he has also the same receiving outlook and and coach comfortability. I just don't think McVeigh yeah. would have gone out and got Acres again. I'm not a big dynasty guy, you know. I don't really put too much emphasis onto draft capital, but any sort of talking point you can bring up in a murky situation, which I think this currently is, uh, it needs to be kind of talked about in, in one way or another. Uh, but uh, Evan. Hit us up with uh, Mr. Daryl Henderson. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, I don't mind. You know, depending on how your uh, how your draft looks, you know, going after him. Um, but to everyone's point, uh, we know he you know has a, a track record of not being the healthiest. Um, and Sean McVay's come out and said that uh, he wants him to be the guy, but he's even said, "I don't know that." You know. He can be the guy. He can be the guy. Yeah, I don't know that he can be a three-down back, um, and he's just said only time will tell. You know, we're we're going to give him that opportunity, and we're going to see. Um, but you know, if you 
you don't get Henderson in your drafts, it may not be a bad idea to, you know, take a flyer on Funk or um, Xavier Jones. Uh, Funk has had, you know, durability issues in, um, you know, as well. So uh, for me, it'd probably be Jones if I'm going to take a flyer on him. Um, but it's just a murky situation. Uh, I, I think where Daryl Henderson's going, I think it's, what, 45th overall, um, somewhere around there. Uh, I don't mind it, like I said, depending on how your draft's going. Um, but I don't have, you know, I don't have huge expectations for him. And I don't know that he will be uh, the three down back. And um, if he is, how long will he stay healthy? Yeah. So when I originally ranked Henderson, when the news came out, I put him at 17 ahead of Mike Davis. Because again, I'm a Mike Davis guy and I do like receiving work. And I think a full PPR, which is what I draft for, it's important. Uh, he's moved down to 23. He's one of the last guys I feel confident having as an RB2 at all, right next to Josh Jacobs. So, you know, in that sort of range, like, you know, Clayton, what are you really thinking about? Like, do you have particular ranks on the on Henderson? Where is he, you know, coming for you? What's your comfortability on him? I, I'm i one of those rare guys in the space, I guess. I don't have my own ranks. I have my own ideas. And I, you know, I, I compare players back and forth. Yeah, it's all up there, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind where until this year. If I write them down, other people can take them from me, and I, I won't have oh. that. No. Unfortunately, you don't have public ranks that you had as a pinned tweet for, like, weeks and then make a whole bunch of joke that greater than – like, I, I just – I did this whole thing. I did this whole thing, and then it broke Twitter. So, that was you know. brilliant. That scares people. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. When I look at this backfield, I look at, at Darrell Henderson, and I look at the fact that, you know, they, they went and got Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford is a guy, and this stat might blow your mind, but – in 166 games, do you know how many times he had a 100-yard rusher? Oh, was it like in, like in a single game? Was it zero? Like they just no, never how, had one? How many games out of 166 that he has played has he had a 100-yard rusher? 12. Four. 11. Oh. <laughs> 11 out of 166. Because they haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher, right? Wasn't that the thing? They haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher in like a decade. Right. right? So he's yeah. he's been the engine of that of that Lions offense, right? So they they want to take that pressure off him now that he's in a different situation. They they want to be able to set up the play action. They want to keep Darrell Henderson healthy throughout the preseason. They've come out. They said that he's their guy. Yeah, he's uh, not even playing at all. Right, because they want him to be healthy going into the season. Yeah, they need, they him, need to him, take him on that ice. Like, yeah, like, on, like bubble wrap, like – I don't mind a flyer on Funk. I think Xavier Jones is going to carve out a role in that offense regardless. Uh, you know, and then it, it's funny because you compare a situation like this where it could be back and forth, but when you look at what's coming out of camp, when you look at what, what the staff is saying, you know, it's basically saying Henderson's the guy. And then you look at, at a guy we were just talking about, Austin Eckler and the Chargers. And I think it was just yesterday. You know, the, the coaching staff comes out and says, hey, we're running, we're running a committee. You know, we're it's going to take some touches away from them. Is that – where do you go from there? I mean, do you buy in? Do you not? Uh, I think no. Shane's having a stroke. He's smelling beer no, somewhere. He doesn't no know crap. where it is. <laughs> they say if you smell toes, you don't know where it's coming from. You are actually having a stroke. That is a medical fact. So just letting you know that. <laughs> um, but you know what I think that happens? Oh, the preseason, a lot of games don't matter. We don't really want to take too much credit on it. Mm -hmm. um, the Rams, I don't believe, have played yet. Everyone fix me on that if, if that has occurred. No, they haven't. That is a backfield we have to watch. I think that actually does sure. have fantasy implications for it. Um, even in early on in the regular season, maybe they kind of limit Henderson a little bit just to see do the other guys have any juice in them. And if they don't, maybe then we see Henderson ramp up and maybe it's a guy you can target in, in trades and all that because that is that is a path where it's like, all right, we need to have him on 
you know, just sit there and bubble wrap for the first few weeks because, you know, why? We just had a guy go down. Let's see the way we, we got. But after that point, you know, this is a team with playoff aspirations. This is a team Absolutely. that was there with Jared Goff, and there was a you know team with a, a solid defense. I was actually a little surprised. I had the I guess I had the Rams DST a little bit high because I got them today, and I was like, I was like, Craig says like, yeah, they're not one of the top three, and I had them in the top three. I was like, All right, I need to change my rankings on those guys. <laughs> yeah, they're my number two. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, I am probably incorrect on that one, um, but uh, Mr. Shane, you said you wanted to do right hand, left hand. On uh, the receivers over there in LA as well. You're talking about the yeah. Mr. Woods Cooper Cup. Okay, right hand Robert Woods, left hand Cooper Cup. On three, one, two, three. All right, so I think we got to go over to Craig Ooh. there, Mr. Cooper Cup. Mr. Craig, you are going with Cooper Cooper Cup. You're getting solo layout here. <laughs> That's Cup. too bad for everybody watching. Um, You're beautiful. In, in, in the PPR league. You know, Matthew Stafford reportedly has a great connection with him already. Uh, Cup and Woods are both, you know, the main guys there. And just based off the early comments and the fact that it's a PPR league, I'm going Cup. So they're close for me. Ridiculously amazing analysis for you. (laughs) I honestly, I could see both of them finishing as wide receiver ones this year. That I think that's their upside. Have we? What was a, I really don't have that information, but I think that's something I really want to dig into. Was the last time we had two receivers on the same team finish as wide receiver ones um, in the it same was season? Twenty nineteen, I think. Um, Ridley uh, and Godwin and Evans. Oh, I think. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a five. There was also a five thousand thirty touchdown season. So I have to think about, you know what does that look like in 2021? Um, because yeah. that was, yeah, they were, you know, that defense wasn't established yet outside the run defense. They've been a pretty solid unit on that regard for a few seasons. Um, but they were just, you know, how much they were getting themselves down in games because Winston was turning the ball over on their own 30. That's really what led to such a offensive explosion that was really needed. Um, but it's, it's close. I would like to think that, you know, Woods and Cup, if you can have either of them, I'm pretty stoked with that. Um, I, I lean Woods just a bit with actually the aforementioned Mike Evans right between them um, because having I, having guys like that, like directly back to back, I don't like doing because I'm a coward, but I have one guy kind of just supplemented right in between with Mike Evans, who's actually going probably earlier than them, but I'm not a Mike Evans guy. Right. Yeah, and uh, with Woods, I mean, he Cup definitely had uh, outplayed him in the touchdown department. So I think Cup's due for some regression there. And and Woods only had, I think, two. So he is he is in for you know, uh, or no, that was 2019, I think, uh, is what I saw. Um, but I, I still think Cup had him last year in in touchdowns. And I, I think you know, with Stafford there, they both could score uh, a decent amount of, of touchdowns, you know? So, um, and I think Woods is going to take a, a step forward there. Um, but I mean, I, I think what I, they're just so close in ADP. I mean, you're really picking hair, you know what I mean? You're really, yeah. Having one of the other guys, like one of the other, you're happy with it. Also, I went to the yeah. baseball guy and there was a guy who just threw a no hitter in his first career start, which is wild to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Who was that? T- Tyler Gilbert against the Padres for the Diamondbacks. It's nuts. Damn. <laughs> Because Padres is good. So. First career start. Yeah. Wow. Uh, have a day. Yeah. Tyler Gilbert becomes the fourth pitcher in MLB history to throw a no hitter in his first career start against the Padres. 
We've had a few of the, uh, a no hitters this year, man. Got a lot. We've had. Yeah, a, we might. We might be yeah. close to the record. I think John, we have like one or two more. Yeah, John Means for my Orioles threw one. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a team! What a team, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, at least you're not a Cubs fan. Oh, so I'm a Sox I, fan. Dude, I got the. Sure. Did you enjoy that game with uh, Corbin Burns the other night? If you're a Cubs fan, there, Shane. No, dude. I I just Corbin Burns is unreal, game man. Three games. So it's um, right three against the Rangers. That's, what did uh Burns had what ten straight strikeouts, right? Yeah, ten yeah. in a row. He tied the record. Yeah. yeah. I uh in a technical like baseball dynasty league, I traded him away like for picks. I traded him in Manea um away for like Kyle Gibson and uh, Aaron Savale for a fourth and a seventh for like a tenth oh, and a twelfth. But it was just because that team's like I was like, yeah, I decided probably yeah. too late that I was out. Um, but yeah, the fourth round pick in that was like we won in the seventh round was also a, a good thing. But yeah, you know, Corbin Burns like my season's done in that. So yeah. Um, so. What, what else do you want to roll with here, Mister Shane? Okay, so before we ask the last question, I don't know if the four of you are comfortable with it, but we're about to sing my buddy Christian Botello happy birthday because it is his birthday today. Sure, let's do it, man. Oh yeah. On three, one, <clears throat> two, three. Happy birthday dear Patello. Happy birthday it, it sounded Ooh. less like a happy birthday and more like a like a hymn at a funeral. It was like a funeral dirge. I expected the lights go out and the Undertaker to pop up somewhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up with some question and not make us sing anymore. Um, last question. This is from JT Scene, good buddy of mine in, in one of our group chats. Um, in redraft this year, are you guys going with Tracon Smith or Gabriel Davis? Similar ADP, and usually are both available when I get to that point in the draft. Um, we are going to start with Clayton and end with the redraft master, Mr. Methodical. So we'll go Clayton, Evan, Craig, and Matt. Dave, don't Clayton. do that. Dave in the chat, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's Gabriel Davis, man. I like what I saw last year. I like that offense. You know, knowing who's going to be at quarterback, uh, if Trey Collin was going to do anything, he I think he would have done it already, and and thrusting him into this wide receiver one role is not going to help. Uh, I'm I'm out on Trey Collin. You know I'm I'm more in on because of Michael Thomas being out. I'm I'm more in on, on Troutman. I'm more in on Kamara and Latavius, but not Trey Collin. So give me give me Gabriel Davis. I like the talent. I like the team. Yeah, I, I can't really add much to that um, because I'm on Gabriel Davis, too. Um, and it's pretty much all, you know, he just said. Uh, Traquan, um, he's going to get obviously get more opportunities to, you know, um, show what he can do and, and maybe take that leap. But we saw Gabe Davis, you know, we, we saw him, you know, have – we saw his potential. Um, and in that offense, you know, he, he has the potential while well, he probably won't score as many touchdowns as he did last year, um, especially the Emmanuel Sanders there. Um, I still, you know, love the potential of Gabe Davis and I just don't think Traquan has it regardless of the opportunity he'll get. Um, so Gabe Davis for me. All right, Craigie Poo. I am going with, uh, Gabe Davis as well. 
And if you had to have me pick someone from the Saints, I wouldn't be taking Smith. Um, I'm actually Callaway. Callaway, yeah, would be the guy that I'm taking um, at the respective ADPs. Nice. All right, redraft master Matt. So the real problem here is, is that one is actually going to be a player you can actually play in starting lineups starting in week one and one is not. Uh, so Traquan Smith with this offense is going to be at least in the very much. I think he's going to be underdrafted coming out of draft season. Um, I'm not very high on him. I put in the chat. I have wise for 55 compared to Gabriel Davis at 58. So it's really not too much of me saying I'm leaning one way or the other. But with Traquan Smith, you do have for at least five, six weeks possibly a player who's going to see just again in terms of in terms of volume which you chase and targets i said it's a lot for Tra- uh, am troutman but really with the new orleans saints it feels a lot like washington last season they are desperate for production you have alvin Kamara, and then it's kind of who else is going to be there drake one smith has been able to break out for three years and marquez callaway only played more than like 30 snaps in three games last year, which were in situations that Michael Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders was out, and they needed the bodies just to fill in. This is late in the season and in very sporadic games. Otherwise, he was not really involved at all in this offense. But to people's point, they prefer Marcus Callaway because they don't know just yet exactly what the player is going to be compared to Traquan Smith, who to this point has just been disappointing. Now, Gabriel Davis currently is listed behind Cole Beasley to decide not to retire from football, and Emmanuel Sanders, who's one of the oldest receivers in the league. So at the beginning part of the year, you're probably going to sit on Gabriel Davis for you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We don't know how many weeks it's going to be, but I think you need to sit on him and draft him with him and the idea of him purely being a stash candidate. And I'm currently not really drafting Davis or Traquan Smith because receiver I've really been prioritizing earlier in my drafts and not going with receiver late, which both these guys are going to really fall into. So for Gabriel Davis, go with the idea that you're not going to be looking at him in your starting lineup anytime recently to the beginning of the year. Traquan Smith, by week two, we're probably going to figure out exactly what their situation is going to be with receivers and Troutman. It looks like uh, we, you know, we're leaning towards Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback after the reports today following the Saints game. So take that as you will and compare it to what the players are going to be. But Michael Thomas, currently, I'm still optimistic at week seven as his return point. No prior knowledge to that. So Gabriel Davis is my wide receiver 64 in my rankings. Um, but the reason I like him a lot, probably even over his current ranking, from a dynasty standpoint, is he is one of a handful, I don't know off the top of my head, um, that scored in the range. So I've, I've got different stat or different columns for rankings and whatnot. One of those is an uh, advanced analytic called target separation. Shout out to Eagle Dan for, for pointing that out to me. Um, Gabriel Davis scores a three out of five on the target separation metric um so that is a reason that i am targeting him because that to me means he is getting separation on all of his targets there's only one five on the list and i don't think any of you mother truckers can probably guess who it is unless you go look it up on roto underworld um but gabe davis is a three and that puts him in more of an elite i won't say elite tier but a better tier than most players in the nfl so you know i'm gonna take a hot guess on it hit me is it Debo Samuel? Because it's most of his target, because most of his targets were behind the offensive line. He had negative seven air yards last year. That's how. That's why I figured on it. <laughs> it's not, but it it's almost a similar type player. Lavisca. Nope. Lavisca's a you know kind of gadgety but, sort of. But you're getting warmer because it was also a rookie. So this will be your last guess. 
Um, the only other rookie, Henry Ruggs. There it is. Yeah, yeah. it just got overthrown. Uh, the, like like crazy. I was watching a lot of film on him, and the Henry the Ruggs. amount of separation he gets, dude. If he, he could it. just get the ball to him. Exactly. He has two point three one yards per target separation on all that that's what he averaged last year and he is the leader in the nfl so this is a screaming reason to go buy henry ruggs and dynasty um but gabriel davis scores a three and just to give you the range of what that score means for me on my actual rankings where where are you getting this metric what is this metric again roto underworld.com it's roto underworld okay. separation okay um, cool so a three is 2.1 yards or 1.82 yards to 2.1 yards. And Davis scored a three. So the way I've got it broken down is elite is 2.31 to 2.18. Solid is 2.17 to 2.11. Good is 2.10 to 1.82. Um, poor is 1.81 to 1.5. And then anything below 1.49 is a one um, considered awful. So, Gabe Davis is right there in the middle at, at three and is get I don't remember what his is, but he's getting somewhere between 1.82 yards per target and 2.1 yards per target from the separation standpoint. Is there like a so, notable player in that very like one star that you know off the top of your head? Like notable player who's getting not just not a lot of separa- separation that like might be good for people to know? Like if it's too uh, hard to dig through. AJ Brown. Okay. AJ Brown got a one. Um, Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf and Stefan Diggs were actually all twos, um, which is, I think I might need to, to tweak the, the ranges because I think I actually only have one five and that is Henry Ruggs. But AJ yeah. Brown's just so big. He just, <laughs> he just, yeah. you know, boxes, boxes the defender out and just snags everything. You because know like a mean? guy like Julio Jones, who AJ Brown kind of mimics in some ways in terms of his yeah. play style, uh, doesn't get very good separation, but he wins contested balls quite exactly. often. So it, it's, it's a little bit different metric, but it was, it's very curious to see because rugs, you're, you know, their whole big thing with him is they're targeting between, you know, if they don't have safety coverage, his whole deal is just running down field really, really fast. And if he beats his corner, unless the you know the coverage is there, it's just a, a totally beat man. I'm so. surprised Diggs, yeah, because Diggs is such a precise route runner, man. He's such a good route so runner. But he's something interesting. Sure. Julio is also actually a three on this list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I have like to look that. into that. I like that metric. Yeah. Yeah, I, like yeah, I love like so. Route running is, is one of the metrics that I really, really look into. Um, and I feel like this kind of shows you who who can really be an elite route runner. And that's why I think I also might need to tweak it, tweak the ranges just a little bit because like like you guys said, Stefan Diggs being a two is kind of surprising. Um, yeah, for sure. So I, Some I, get blanket coverage that plays into it as well. So exactly, there's, there's yeah. different metrics playing in for sure. Like Keenan yeah, Allen, yeah, we yeah. know, has the one of the you know greatest footwork in the league. We know Michael oh Thomas gosh. has great footwork, but yeah. you know, typically they're targeting in areas where there's multiple defenders on them. Totally. Uh, especially if like it's Thomas who breaks into the middle of the field. Typically, there's a linebacker somewhere within you know X amount of yards. So very true. Totally. <laughs> okay, so gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Oh hell yeah. This is the second to last event for the Fantasy Football Expo at home. We'll throw that up there one more time. Um, tomorrow we're doing a wrap-up show from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, that will be myself, J- Fantasy Coach JB, joining us for the first time 
Evan will be joining us again. And then Craig and possibly Matt are joining us as well. And then I may have a surprise guest for you guys as well. <laughs> so um, that wraps up tonight's episode for the Fantasy Football Expo at home. Thank you again, guys, for joining us. It has been a ton of fun. Um, I will throw up the ticker one more time. Do make sure that you subscribe um, to my podcast, the Fantasy Nightcap, and our uh, collective YouTube page for more content like this. Um, and if you guys want any more birthday songs, just, you know, call us up. <laughs> okay, yeah, and just uh, run through your sites real quick. Thanks so, a lot, uh, Dave. Red Iron yeah. Ratings and uh, Fantasy Pros Expert. Uh, Craig, go next. <laughs> Yeah, you can find me over at rotoheat.com. It's mainly just IDP stuff, and I'm on Getting Defensive, which is through Gridiron Ratings on Tuesday nights. Love Boom. It. Evan. Evan. Uh, Boom. Over at Going for Two, um, all season long, uh, all your betting advice, DFS, um, and, and season long. And Clayton. You can find me at the Pick is In on uh, FFP on Twitter, Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find me by old episodes of Faces of Fantasy and hopefully some new ones here pretty quick wrestling mat podcast uh i am as always audible barbecue sauce and you can find me also at number 66 on the nifty 91 as of today that is today love it love it (laughs) all right well that wraps it up tonight thank you guys again for joining us and thanks for the chat um for throwing questions to us this was a fun episode for sure